2: What's going on, everybody? What's up, folks? We are back again. This is going to be episode number 94 of the Dark Windows Podcast.
3: We're getting
4: there.
2: Yeah, we are uh, literally a handful and then one away from episode 100. Yay. The fuck? It's going to be awesome. Anyway, episode, this, episode this week's 100. going to be a little different a little. Yeah, this is our first uh, our first interview that we've done with anybody. I've never I haven't interviewed anybody since like high school. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this
4: goes. <laughs> I've interviewed people
2: after I've been college stuff like that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not so great with it, but eh. um so today we're going to be talking to JD Thompson who is a uh, musician and he also did a documentary up in our neck of the woods. It's about two hours North of us. So, I mean, it's yeah. like damn near Canada, kind of, um, middle, talking the middle, middle of the state North. Yeah. Talking about some, uh, werewolf legends from the state of Vermont and, uh, super, super interesting documentary. I shared it up onto the Facebook page. Um, it's called the hunt for the hound of cold hollow. So if you want, pause it here, go check it out, come back and finish up the show. um, but before we get into that, yes. let's talk about some
4: headphones. Go to studio.com and check them out. They have headphones. They have well the Regents, like what we are, we're wearing. Well, not what we're wearing because they have the Regent 2s. Because we got the OG Regents. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they have the Klar. Then they also have um, a ton, a ton of earbuds.
2: I'm telling you, they, they release new earbuds like monthly. Well, not quite monthly, <laughs> Pretty
4: but damn you know, close. It, it seems like it. Yeah. Uh, the newest earbuds are the Ets, which are active noise canceling. Um, and from everything I've read about them, heard about them, they're really great. They look like the AirPods, but more
2: comfortable. Yeah.
4: They also have a wonderful speaker that uh, Kevin actually has right yes, in Yes, they of them.
2: do. They've got the Femtia, which is the new Bluetooth speaker that they just released. Um, fully charges in about an hour. Yeah. Um, From what I've seen so far, it's got a 14-hour battery life, which is triple any Bluetooth speaker that I own other than this one.
5: Yeah.
2: Um, And if you put in the promo code DARKWINDOWS15 at checkout, I can promise you that you will get that speaker for less than $110, because I got it for $109 with the promo code. And is the best money I've ever spent on any kind of uh, audio equipment. Yeah, so
4: if you, like Kevin said, put the promo code DARKWINDOWS15 in... At checkout to get fifteen percent off your entire purchase. That's your entire purchase, which yes. is awesome.
2: And they give you a little gift too. I'm not sure what it is this time. Um, I opted out of it because I just I was like I, I just want my speaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I <laughs> you
4: keep the gift. Go over to that and uh, check them out. Find what you want because we know you're gonna
2: and uh, you know,
4: hook it up. Hook yeah. yourself up because you know during this time you need to need something to. You
2: got to be entertained. Yeah, you might still well be entertained by a middle of the road kind of podcast. Mm-hmm. So that's we're how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> so without any further awaiting or ado, either or let's uh let's get into our interview with J D and we will see you guys at the end for uh some
1: other stuff.
3: Yeah. In Vermont oh, still, you know,
1: so sometimes the connection is a little bit funky funnier. here. Oh
3: yeah, I mean I'm, we're we're in Vermont and like it's uh
1: I'm surprised we have internet in some
3: of the places in the state, to be honest
6: with you. Oh, you are in Vermont? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you say you were in Vermont? Oh, I didn't even know you were in. I didn't even
1: really realize. Okay, okay, okay.
3: Well, that's cool, man. Okay, okay. We're in, uh, we're in southern Vermont right now. Well, I see. Okay, all right, all right.
1: Well, then you guys, know, then you guys are going to know all the places that I'm talking about, and that's going to be even cooler, okay.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So, uh... Alright, so are you guys recording everything? Uh, it yeah. looks like
3: we're
1: doing good, yeah. Okay. okay, well, stop me if it, uh... if it gets funky again. Yeah, no
3: worries. So, uh, yeah,
1: let's talk okay. uh, so, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so, okay, so, um, um... Like I was saying to you, when I was a kid, I was in the folklore and history, and I, uh... my, my father were not really... They were more musicians, you know, my mom was a ballet dancer and a performer, uh, and my dad just played in like a hillbilly kind of country band, so music was always the thing around my house, that's what we all kind of just did, and I never really took it too seriously, to be perfectly honest, but uh, when I left college, uh, and that's a whole different story, uh, but but I, I left college in a hurry, I had... I had done some in, some investigative journalism into some where some funding had gone uh, I, I, on. No, when I just started doing journalism when I was in school, and being uh, the small town girl, the network they all combined to invite me to leave, basically, and I, and I left. But
3: that's
1: a, that's a different story. So anyway, so.
3: Uh, everything kind of,
1: kind of fell apart then and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next and I I was really good friends with uh, uh, I, a really, really well known professional um, But uh, so he's from Dublin and he invited me to come and hang out in, in Ireland island for a summer. Uh, so I went over there and I played some music and while I was there, you know, not only I fall in love with Irish culture and Irish history, but... but I happened to meet a LA producer, a guy named Lou Adler, and uh, so got a record deal, went and lived in Malibu, did that thing, you know, playing the Sunset Strip, all that stuff. But to be perfectly honest, man, he did Purgatory or worse for me, you know, I mean, it was like Groundhog Day. So I was always still interested in journalism and, you know, and history and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, so after doing the music business thing for about, about uh six years full time, I went back and started uh, just kind of getting my feet you know, writing. Uh, so I was doing, I was doing a couple of different journals and pieces. Uh, I, I was, you know, my player player was, was my big client at the time, and I found this whole co cool thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean journalism is something that I was always interested in. I I, I feel
3: like I'm kind of getting it, I'm I'm preempting your questions. I don't want to do that. So oh no 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 you you actually like answer one of my questions that was which is which is kind of awesome. I was I was actually going to ask you if you actually had been working for um, working for or with Playboy prior to working, doing the article, or if it was just something that, you know, you being freelance that you just, you know. Yeah, if it was oh, like yeah. something you had already started on and then they just picked it up.
1: Yeah, so it, it was a really weird thing. So I came to Vermont, uh, uh, I I, got in the, I was always doing freelance stuff, so, first of all, because I basically got to point in my life where I said I'm never going to have a boss ever again. again, even if that even if I, I you know, yeah. die home on the street. I'm never gonna have a boss. So I, I can't do it. Absolutely, man. You my granddad said to me one time. You know, I was complaining about my job working at, like, in the kitchen at a steakhouse when I was a teenager. He said to me, Look, well, somebody's gonna kick your ass. You have one of two choices. You can kick your own ass and keep all the money, <laughs> or somebody else can kick your ass and then pay you a wage, which you want. And so after that, I was like. Yeah, I think I'll keep my own yeah, So that's pretty much. I don't, I don't know, you know if this is PG-13. Well, you can you can go wherever you
3: want. <laughs> we all right, cool,
1: man. Right on. Here, so. right, all right. Okay. Okay. So um, yeah, so I've been working on a, a couple of different things, and I was doing a piece. Uh, it was a long piece, and it was really dark in Oklahoma in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But, uh, so, a little bit of background into Tulsa. You know, the, the city was once the most, most aggressive cities in the country, right? Uh, I mean, there were full voting rights for blacks. We're talking the 19 teens, right? Uh, so, it was the most, North Tulsa uh, was the most prosperous black community in America. Uh, it was called the Greenwood District. And then when the oil interests. Came to Oklahoma, uh, specifically Tulsa. It was, they basically just brute force took over a lot of Oklahoma with with using the Klan as kind of
5: mercenaries.
1: I don't know if you've ever seen the show Deadwood, but uh, okay, if you imagine the Hearst character, that's kind of how they did it. But rather than using Pinkertons, they used the Klan. So, yeah. So the Klan came in and and decimated North Tulsa, literally like dropping bombs from planes in the sky with the support the Supreme governor and the, and the, and the, and the mayor. They brought the guard in. It was just a brutal thing. Uh, and that city has continued to be wrecked and devastated for the most part to this day. So while I was there, I was researching... Uh, uh, groups uh, infiltration uh, into the police departments and, uh, and sheriff's departments. Department. Okay. And then in the middle of that, uh, an off duty, untrained deputy sheriff who was in the own business, basically paid the sheriff to let him become part of a task force, just so he could run around playing cops and, and play oh. uh, uh he, he they 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 got this black guy, they got him on the ground, and rather than you know arrest him, they just shot him down. So I was working on that story for, and I had pitched it to Playboy because this was in the middle of the whole Black Lives Matter thing, and uh and it was kind of a cool story because it was like the only story that I knew of where the community got together, pushed back, and actually got the cops arrested.
5: You know,
1: you know yeah So I mean they were convicted of all kinds of stuff I mean they uncovered a lot of stuff so probably asked me if I wanted to do a video on it and I was you know if I had a video component to it this is also the way decided under the leadership of Corey Jones that the best thing they could do for the magazine was take nudity out of it so uh, yeah, of course a little like. I mean that's kind of like that's weird like that's what you've built your whole
3: company on for the most part and then all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, no, let's not do that anymore. Yeah, it
1: was, I mean, I had a lot of conversations, a couple of conversations before William and, and the, my editor at the time, who was, who was really cool, a guy named Joe Donatelli, uh, about that. I was like, you know, they were like, no, 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 we're, we're going into the 21st century and on and on. And I said, I really don't think you understand your market, folks. <laughs> but <laughs> but the 21st century doesn't mean people don't like books, man. Yeah, well, I mean, come on, you know, it doesn't have to be exploitative to be appreciative. But, but you know, whatever, I mean, you know, piece their own got coming
3: from,
1: you know, just in the rogue in the, uh, in, in 21st century, you know, that 60s playboy you know, aesthetic probably didn't go so well. But it worked out good for me because they were looking to do more journalism, not vice. And to be perfectly honest, I, I know everybody knows this, but that would have been the thing that got me interested in Slowboy in the first place. Was, you know, they have done interviews with Malcolm X and all these people that were considered untouchable by mainstream media during the you know, 50s and 70s. So I thought, you know, this could be actually a really cool thing uh, that they are shifting back to try to do cutting edge journalism. So, anyway, uh, and then another. Another piece that I had. So, so, so this is going to sound kind of kooky, uh, uh, but, but I don't want to get a really one on you guys or anything. But
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, so, so, I had, uh, I had this weird dream uh, where there was. I can just tell you the dream. I can still remember it. Remember uh, it. A girl. girl it uh, uh, pulls off the road, and she gets out of the car, and she hears some people calling to her, and she walks into the woods, and never comes back. That was pretty much the dream. I mean, I could get—I get, you know, was there more to it than that, but that was pretty much the dream, and I don't know why it was just so vivid. Because it was like I was there, higher, there. and I really did meet her, you know. So anyway, I'm, I'm not trying to get all metaphysical about it. But, you know, I mean, I know that st- I know that I'm, you know, I, I got to maintain like journalistic integrity, so I can't
3: say yeah. I'm having premonitions about things. Right this is a long time. That's the thing is, we have no journalistic integrity, so. We no journalistic integrity. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is going to be so
1: freeing. This is going to be such a new experience, okay, man. Okay. Hell yeah. We, tell we uh, I mean, I
3: mean, that's not even the weirdest shit I've heard today
1: to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I don't so I, I know Oh, go ahead. Tell me more. Right? It, go ahead. Right. The latest right. podcast right. we gave was on Conspiracy
3: Theory. Oh, and, man. man. And uh, I'm telling you, some of them were I, I heard out there. I do deep dive into the fact that Eric Clapton is actually either a serial killer or has had multiple, oh, multiple musicians killed for his own benefit, including Kurt Cobain, uh, Dwayne Allman, and Stevie Ray <laughs> Oh my God! Oh my God! Yeah. Well, you know,
1: I I have some, you know, this is a serious digression, but you want to, be, as I've been doing, you know, I started doing a lot of really deep dive research into werewolf legends. I mean, I really wanted to understand why in the world that was ever a thing, you know. You uh, know. So in my research, I mean, I you know, I've gone to. I've gone all over Europe interviewing scholars, you know. Like, uh, the last interview I did was with Eitel and Griffin's daughter, who is an Icelandic, like, we're leading scholars on uh, werewolf folklore. I uh, went over there and interviewed her last summer. Uh, and from what I can tell, you know, there are different types of werewolves, right? I mean, there are different conceptions of, of what a werewolf is. And so the the, the idea that it was a malevolent evil thing actually comes kind of later in its history. So what I can tell, the earliest... And so you could split about the You know, you know it's about the king uh that you know, the Greek king that supposedly tried to test Zeus mm-hmm. and f- fed him the, the uh, meat of a child and then making was turned into a wolf threat. But that's kind of different than the than the shapeshifter that comes and goes into that food. And that. Uh,
3: Go ahead. go
1: ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you off. Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go forever on this stuff. You, got, you have
3: to. <laughs> yeah. We actually did a podcast. One of our podcasts we actually did. The second episode. Yeah. Had, and I mean, we actually did um, the difference between the um, uh, werewolves and dogmen. Werewolves and dogmen. Oh, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. I actually did. Um, I was actually covering the werewolf side. It's mm-hmm. so interesting to see. Like, you know, how, you, how you're saying everything, all all this it was interesting to, like, really dive in and find out how, over time, things changed. Yeah. And it was kind of, like, kind of really, you know, interesting to how we came to what we are now of of the perception of of werewolves. Right. Right. One time, it was just a wolf, you know. Right. Right. Then it kind of, of like, wolf becoming, you know, man becoming a wolf, and then it became you know, the Lon Chaney Jr. style, like half and half and all that. Um, and actually, I, we, during all the research for that, I did find that um, there was, uh, I believe the guy was Italian, and he was arrested um, under suspicion of being a werewolf, and he told the, yeah. he told the court, like, listen, I'm a werewolf, and uh, I believe the term was Benintendi, where he said, I'm a werewolf, but I am a werewolf, on the right side, I'm trying to, you know, I'm working for God, this, that, the other. I mean, they burned him at the stake anyway, because, you know, that's what's wrong
1: with There were There were other cases of that in Germany. The same thing, like, they, they were being tortured. And, and they confessed, okay, I'm to, let me explain, you know, we 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 hunt, like, demonic things, and, and it's, it's really interesting, yeah. It's a, it's a, it, uh, uh, the whole narrative is just strange how it evolved. So as so, so far as this, my research went back into the, this specific strain was growth to Ireland, and we're talking, like, pre-Christian Ireland.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think one of the earliest concludings of this, you know of a of a, of a, a human in a roofworm that can continue to talk and talk and tell a human being was an encounter with saint patrick uh, and which which my 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 recent story here in in Vermont actually led me to that i the way, so I guess I should take 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 a step back and explain how I even found this story.
3: Um, yeah, um, I was actually gonna ask. You know, what what brought what brought this legend to your attention? You know, what was um, <laughs> <is> so so <laughs> you stole <saw> my shit? <laughs> I was like, I was like ah, hey, this is, this is <laughs> our general like, oh, yeah. questions. You know, I'm just fucking with it's it. You don't have it. to. <laughs> 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 <And I can't. laughs> yeah, but what what actually brought this legend to your attention? I mean, like for us. Um, we, we had, um, uh, in Vermont here, there was, there's actually this guy that was, uh, a serial killer that we didn't anything about. Um, mm-hmm. he, actually, he actually had killed two people and we did a podcast on him. A guy named Gidro, he, he's roll real asshole. He used to shit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he, yeah, we never knew anything about him. Um, okay. so okay. we did, we actually were like looking up, Hey, what do we want to do? You know? And we found just uh the blue found this guy and started looking into him and found research and we're like, hell, oh, this is pretty interesting. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, what, what brought you to um, wanting to look into this um, folklore, whatever you want to call it here in
1: Vermont? Well, I don't... Okay, so, so it kind of goes back to the dream I was telling you about. So there were these really vivid images in the dream. And I just kind of put that on the back burner. you know, you have dreams and everything, but it all exploded because I felt like there was something, I don't know, it felt like, it, like I, was, I was given a clue to some, something, it like a thread that I needed to pull on. Uh, uh, but I had tons of other work going on, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really pursue it. Mean, what am I going to do with that, you know? Uh, so, what, but, but one thing that I did do was I, some of the images in my mind, uh, I just, you know, I, I knew there was mountains, and dense forests, but it was slope hills, it wasn't sharp mountains, you know, all these things that I were in my mind. And then, but one of the, the things that was in my dream was a, there was a green Highway sign. This uh and uh, so I just googled that and found that it was in Franklin County. Yep, I
3: was gonna say that sounds uh, that sounds like a yeah. yeah, so a so <laughs> So I, I, at the time, I was like, I really wanted
1: to come up here and kind of explore it, but you know, I didn't have a good reason for it. So I kind of started looking around, and I thought some other interesting things in the news. And by the way, this is before, you know, Barney was running for president and all that. So uh, so I had heard about a Vermont secession movement, and I thought, oh, that would be a cool peg to hang a story on, and while I'm up there, I can kind of explore this other stuff on the side. So I came up here and I met with the people that were running the Vermont Secession, Bob Williams and uh Ron Miller and some Ian Barrett and people like that. Uh, kind of the, the real thinkers of that whole thing. That thing. And I made a memory about that called Beyond Empire. Which I thought was pretty cool. I mean the the whole story was pretty cool. And uh, in the midst of all of this, while I was here, there was a story that broke about a senator from Franklin County, a state senator, who had been indicted for human in trafficking and the bunch of other So, I'm as far as I know.
3: Say again. And as far as I know, I think that guy is still in office too.
1: I think so. It was really weird. In
3: Illinois, they're like, nah, he didn't actually do it.
1: Well, and also all the witnesses died before a trial. Yeah,
3: it was kind of coincidental, huh?
1: Yeah. yeah. So, so, some pretty you know, some pretty bizarre things happened up in Franklin County. And I, you know, because I, I, I actually moved there, and I lived there for a few years. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, uh, you know, I've never actually spent much time in Brooklyn, I'll be perfectly honest. So, I, mean, I I can't really compare, but I, but I mean, if, if it's got if it's got more than nothing, it's definitely uh, you know upscale from, from where I was, now. and I met a lot of really cool people, and I've got a lot of good friends up there now too. So, uh, but but when I moved there, I was completely unaware of what I was stepping into. I just thought I, I was like, well, I'm already in Vermont. This is a pretty interesting topic. I'll go pursue this. So as I you know, so I just started looking at statistics about disappearances up there. Uh you know, and I just started learning all kinds of things. I actually was able to touch base and talk to a few uh Vermont state police about about I you know, I had no idea that, you know, Franklin County has such a bad smuggling issue that it's one of the ten like one of ten counties in the United States that the D E A gives regular briefings to to the program. I I mean so there was some really gnarly stuff going on up there. And while I was poking around uh I was I was I was asking some of the locals that, that, including some of the people that made the video but other people that didn't uh, the video the, the hound Hall of V you your uh that you guys found. Time. And um, what was so strange to me is that, you know, there was this talk about everything very casual about the disappearances. That was what I thought was really disturbing, you know? So for me, I could say, say, I'm personally a true crime story, you know, of, there's all this corruption, there's all this smuggling, human trafficking, you know, people at the top levels of the state government are involved, uh, you know, and that was the story that I was really interested in. And then while I was working on that, uh, uh, somebody had basically said this is, it's just a just the you know, they, the remain on the mountain comes down and you know meet some people go this and goes so. and, and you know of course there's a joke you said your coffee done sorry what? <laughs> yeah basically, I mean, I mean, literally I mean I was in I was in the diner. I, there there's a there's a, a little diner there in Edesburg and that's where this whole conversation went down. And I happened to have my gear in the car. And I was like will you unpack us for me a little bit? And so she did and uh there was a lot of comment on my uh, on my video about, you know, these people are actors and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> they, they absolutely are not actors. Not actors. No. Uh, Just for the record, you know what I mean? I mean, I didn't put their names on my title cards on there because I didn't want them to be harassed, you know, or anything, or like, anything that. But, like that. But, uh, uh, but I mean, I, if, if anybody ever wanted to challenge me, I can verify exactly who they are and where the story comes from and all that stuff. But anyway, so... so At the time, I'm still working on this other piece, and I thought, okay, well, you know, I've gotten this railroad component. It was almost Halloween, and I thought, I'll pitch it to my editor, Playboy, as just, you know, a a funny seasonal (laughs) piece. You know, and if you read it, you know, I interviewed Joe Citro, the you who's know, pretty famed for Vermont folklore and New England folklore.
3: And I interviewed all I've the local met him a few times. He's one of the nicest guys and super, super knowledgeable of, like, uh, New England folklore, specifically, like, in Vermont. He's, he's a really good guy. Oh, he's great. And he's also got a really great sense of humor. I mean, I really dry,
1: you know, that, that New England sense of humor. Now,
3: I, I, really, I really enjoy talking with him. Talk. Uh, uh, if he didn't actually talk like a like a a northerner, a northern, uh, northern oh, yeah. you know, he yeah. you know, uh, sounds good out from here. He'll he'll put that in, you know. Yeah. Yeah. he did a he did a reading at a local bookstore. One of his uh one of his um two books he'd written like fifteen twenty years ago. I got right into character with it, and I'm like, holy shit, he sounds like my dad. <laughs> Yeah, I got to, I
1: I was really lucky to be able to talk to you know him and a couple other people. You know, uh, I originally I had talked to a couple of all the record. You know, I had talked to the Warden and some people, uh, some trappers. And then when I tried to get them to commit to doing something on video, they got real squeamish about it. So that, that didn't that didn't pan out for something. But uh, uh, the good thing was that you know after after I published the film Playboy it got a lot of interest and since I just since I I have film equipment whenever I do interviews even if it's for a written piece I go ahead and film it because you never know you know know what I mean mean, and that's why I stitched together the video but 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 the the playboy article got so much interest and uh, so I decided I'm going to pull on this a little bit more and then other people in the community started coming to me with their stories that was the that was what it got really weird so sorry to cut you out i no
3: kind of question. Um, so I was actually going to ask you, well, so, was it, I mean, was it hard? To, I mean, obviously, from what you're just saying, it wasn't really, it sounds like it wasn't really too, too hard to get people to to talk at first, you know,
5: after, but
3: was it at first, you know, like pulling teeth to get these people to, uh, to open up? I mean, I know how, you know, being from honors, I kind of know how it is, you know, people, as you, as you would alluded to in the uh, in your movie that people mm-hmm. kind of closed on it. And absolutely. absolutely. You know, yeah, like, right. yeah. We're like, yeah, we can understand that. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, uh when it when it first started, first of all, you know, you know I'm from Oklahoma. Talk about Flatlander. It doesn't get any flatlanders in the so, so there was pushback back on just being in town town. I mean uh for example, I was eating breakfast at the diner. I uh uh I saw working for a little fly you know, a, a newspaper that had sprung up there uh called the Green Mountain Independent just uh you know, just as a kind of a bread and butter thing, but mostly just to kinda of get acquainted with the community. And I also sold a couple of stories to courier, which I think is still operating up there. And uh and the state representative from there uh uh I I didn't get too much into a lot of this stuff, you know, because, you know, you're still public officials, and there's, But, right. but I mean, I'm not going to tell you anything it's not true, I, you know, I'd stand by it in court, so, uh, he came up to me in the diner, and said to me, oh, so you're know the newspaper guy, are you? And I said, yeah, 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 and he says, well, let me tell you something, you write anything bad about me, I'm going to cut the off. And that, was, and that was before I had done it, it, really anything controversial. He was just letting me know that I'm not really welcome there and that if I don't say nice things to them, that I'm going to be run out of town. which, which kind of set the stage for some of the other bizarre things that had happened while I was doing this. You know, of course, you know, being you know, uh, from Oklahoma, you we know, really tend to push back on authority figures whenever they... Lean on us. That's just kind of the feeling of how the North Texas people are like that, you know? Uh, uh, and I mean, I think a lot of people like that are like that everywhere, but there it's like, uh, it's a different thing. It's a long story, but so, uh, and, uh, uh, my, 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 you know, you're gonna, you guys are gonna be like, yeah, right. But I, I can send you the verification. It's like my family, like, are related to the James brothers and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like time Anytime, the government is like, uh, hey, you need to watch us. We're like, no, you need to watch yourself. So I mean,
3: that made me just double down on my recording out there. You know. Yeah. Uh, Somebody related that's famous. I mean, my my aunt is related to Wyatt Earp. Really? Really. Yeah, she's in her
1: family, she's in her,
3: so. No kidding. But, yeah, well,
1: not, uh, she's Quantrell. Oh, wow. Well, then, that, well, then that means we have a connection, because of the Jameses, you know, uh, were under uh, Quantrell's Raiders. That's how they got their start. So, so my kin my is uh, Jesse James' stepfather. Uh, yeah, if you, if you if you look it up, you know, but anyway. But anyway. Uh so so I was kind of pushing back on this, you know, and I was more now than ever to to work on this thing. On this thing. And uh but I was still, one, you know, I mean, I, I, I liked Vermont and I wanted to live in Vermont, you know what I mean? So I tried also, at the same time, make sure that I was being exactly. delicate enough and judicious enough to make sure that I wasn't souring any relationships with people, because I like I said, I, in I was happy to live there. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you screw up relationships in small towns, especially like up there, they're going to
3: run you off. They Exactly. Exactly. It seems,
1: it's
3: weird. It's, it seems like the further north you get in Vermont, like the the people get for some reason. Well, and then like. They get real... I think that's fair. Like, you got, you know, if you're not a local, then we just really don't hear Yeah, I I
1: think that's fair. I mean, there are some people that embrace me, you know, but but for the most part, there was a lot of standoffishness, you know, uh, uh, but I think also it was because I, you know, I came in... You know, you know, I had this music career. You no, know, I'm uh, not your conventional guy. Yeah, definitely not sure your conventional not. Vermonter. Definitely not your conventional not Franklin County Vermonter. Vermonter. You, know, you know, I can see why people who go out, who the hell is this guy and what the hell is he doing here? You know what I mean? You know, and so, so, uh, uh, and things are so, so, uh, another thing that had happened, happened while I was, while I was you know, per- per- pursuing all this was, 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 I, uh, I, uh, Just to kind of, again, to ingratiate myself to the community the best I could, I tried to buy anything that I could buy from local shops. So, like, we furnished our house uh, with furniture from the local store. It was kind of just a junk shop with used stuff, but, you know, all that. Uh, And then I also went to this auction um, that they had every Friday night. And there was usually just, you know, Broken rakes and you know rusty pails and you know just that kind of stuff being sold. And then somebody had brought in a box of old books that were had supposedly been found in a barn. And nobody did. I was like, I was like, there's there's a whole box of books. They're obviously all from the 1800s or earlier. Earlier. And you guys have been. 20 bucks for a rusty rake, break, but you will really not bid a dollar for a box of books. So I bid a dollar and one minute, right. right? And and I took them with me and I started going through them and I found some incredible stuff. I mean, I found, found I mean, some really, really rare books. I'm kind of just their old books anyway. And... Uh, you know, I mean, so I put, there was one book, for example, called The Soul of Gold. And it turns out it was commissioned by some railroad baron that lived in Franklin County back then, and it was dedicated to him from the author. I put that book on eBay and made it, made really good money. Uh, I happened to be telling a friend of mine about this at the diner. Uh, just, you know, like, oh man, I bought this box of books. And it was, you know, it was a great find. we was so good of them. And I made like two grand. And so word got out, I guess, from that. that, I, that I, but I, bamboos booze awesome would be people or something, right? So I went, I left uh, to go work on that story and tell it again for a few weeks. And when I got back, the guy that ran it, even though I was in town, he thought that I was still out of town because I had blown my car I was, I was gone. So I was in the house with my son and he broke into the house. Holy shit. Yeah, it was a mess. Uh, and I don't want to get into all that because it turned into a big legal thing. Uh, but, I mean, he, you know, he attacked me, I put my gun on him. I mean, it was a mess. I was on trial for a few years. It was a nightmare. Of course, I, mean, I was was acquitted. I mean, I was found not guilty because, fortunately, being a journalist, I had my recorder with me, so I turned my recorder on and captured the whole thing on tape, which totally contradicted all of him and his bogus witnesses' version of the story. But this is the, this was just part of the onslaught
3: to run me out of town. I really felt like. I mean, as a as a lifelong Vermonter, I can tell you right now that dude's lucky that he didn't get shot. <laughs> Cause like you burned bro, somebody out there and
1: So they asked me on the witness stand, you know, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to get too much into that, but the the prosecutor said, you know, would you have shot him? And I said, my goal was to stop this whole encounter. And that's what I achieved. My goal was not to shoot anybody. So I feel like, you know, and the the, the prosecution was even like, like, well, why did you pull a gun? Why didn't you just fight him? And I'm like. And I'm like, well, I guess I could have done it that way, but, but anyway, nobody got hurt. Everybody went home and slept in their bed that night. You know, we did it the other way. Who knows what could have happened? At best, some people would have lost some teeth, you know? So felt like it was fine, and the jury felt like it was fine. But, of course, it got really corrupt. My, my, I, I don't want I, I to really get too much into this because there might be some other litigation that comes out of this thing at some point. But it was... It was so talk I mean, it was so obvious look, that witnesses were lying. Fuck the word go. And it was so obvious that, you know, I mean, I had a tape of the whole thing. So the fact that they doubled down, I mean, they, they weren't, there was no plea deal. There was no nothing. There was, you're going to jail for 10 years. That was a 10 year sentence. And so we're uh, and uh, you know, at, at that point though I, I had already kind of decided that I was on, I was ready to move on with everything I needed from the from that story up there uh, and that led me on to other 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 clues that I had kind of found while I was into that. Like for example, I really, you know everybody thinks, you know, okay there there's a big French uh, community here. But in Franklin County, there's actually a particularly big Irish expat community, an Irish immigrant community, and a lot of them were orphans during the famine. So it was because they were adopted by like, or, 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 or people that actually. So I started realizing that it relates to the like, European versions. But the Irish version, where uh, the railroads, are actually there to help defend people against, against the dark forces. Then there's the other version, the, other the uh which is, comes from the. We're saying. All right, so we're, we're, we're Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Okay.
2: I have got to one o'clock. Oh, okay, yeah, we got we're, we're back recording now. Then. Um, okay, great. So pretty much the last thing we heard you talking about was the um, uh, like the Irish immigrants that were. in a, Oh, yeah, yeah.
6: Okay, so, so yeah, a lot of the, you know, it, it, the names are kind of deceptive, but the culture continues up there. You know, they brought with them a lot of that Irish culture during famine now, uh, but the people but just, you know, look for a bunch of Irish names in the phone book. You don't find all no, them. No, yeah, no. Because, you know, they were adopted. But so you get both of those. i, I seem to find find of uh, both motifs, werewolf motifs are represented this version that kind of presents it as something evil and nefarious, and then you've got the Irish version that presents it as almost kind of like a, uh, a you know, a, a, an ally against something
2: evil and dark, you know? Right. The Irish see it as being more uh, more benevolent than anything.
6: Right, and it's weird how culture works, too, because as I've been researching this, you know, it turns out that there was a kind of a Celtic craze in medieval, uh, that they loved everything Irish. So, actually, the way that the werewolf legend becomes popular in France is from their interest in Celtic folklore. Okay. In medieval times. So, so, so then, they, they, you know, then it gets popular amongst the French. But then the French version, which the like werewolf is something darker and more sinister, then spreads back to. Uh, England and Ireland from France so they kind of sell them their own myth back so now you're both strangers it's really, it's really interesting that's
2: yeah that's crazy <laughs> how that works
6: I, I really feel like you know there's always a grain of truth in in, in every legend you know I'm, the way I approach these whole things you know, they, 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 uh, you know myths or folklore or whatever I see them as sort of Signifiers that you can really only appreciate if you understand the whole context of how they came to be. I mean, Oh definitely. Different people are going to experience. Okay, I got a funny story. Uh, a really good friend of mine. So, so Bruce was a pretty successful movie poster artist. Uh, and especially back during the like eighties and early nineties, uh, he did you know he did everything by hand, and he really loved doing fantasy work. But he did he did a lot of stuff for uh, Disney and
5: uh, like he did the Rocketeer. Oh, he nice. Did, he well, he did uh, the Dark Crystal poster.
6: Um, oh, nice. He did, he did the original posters for the Michael Keaton Batman franchises. So he was always into weird stuff. You know, when you go to his studio; it's just you know things that he bought from movie sets. You know, monsters and
2: dragons—just that kind of guy. That's that's what my house would look like if I had money. Yeah.
6: Exactly. <laughs> No, I know. And being a little kid, you know, because this guy, he was friends with my dad. So he was, you know, 30 years older than me. Being a little kid going into this place where the guy is making the Batman symbol and all this stuff is all around, you know, I was just like out of my mind. It was amazing, you know? Uh, and we stayed friends for a long time. And one time we were talking and he told me about this experience he had with a ghost. And I said to him, I was like, well, tell us a ghost. And he says, well, what do you mean? It was a ghost. I know it was a ghost. And I said, "Yeah, but I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you didn't experience something. I'm saying, how do you know it was a ghost, right? You can compare it to other ghosts, right?" <laughs> so, so, what is informing your idea? Oh, this matches this thing, so therefore it's a ghost. And, and he said, "I just don't get what you're saying. Are you fucking with me?" Said, <laughs> so, "No, I'm saying, how do you know it was an, an alien, for example?" And he's like, and he says to me. I've been painting ghosts and aliens and monsters and shit my whole life. I think I know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and I thought, that's really an, an interesting, you know, thing. It, it, it is that he already had ideas for what – you know, he already had categories in his mind for how he was going to process these things that he witnessed, right? Yeah. Uh, and so – Every time, you know, so if somebody says, oh, it's a werewolf, no, it's a Sasquatch, no, it's a dog man, no, it's a this. Well, it already depends on the categories that you are are prepared to lump those things into. You know, this is part of our, you know, primate survival mind, is we try to quickly categorize a thing that we don't understand and process our reaction. And that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not a thing. It just might mean that the thing that you saw might not be the thing that you associate with.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
6: So for me, that doesn't discount the existence of these things. It just—I always try to approach it. You know, i, I, I use Scooby-Doo as an analogy. <laughs> Scooby, Scooby and Shaggy, they see the ghost. So I, I, like I say, I approach it like the Scooby-Doo uh, character because there's two different schools of thought in Scooby-Doo, right? You got the, the Scooby and Shaggy—they see the—they
4: see the ghost and they run.
6: Yeah. But then you got exactly yeah but then you've got Fred and Velma to say well maybe it's a ghost or maybe it's uncle so and so trying to scare everybody out of the house so he can steal the jewels
5: damn you kids
6: (laughs) (laughs) and that's 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 the school of ghost hunting and monster hunting and paranormal thing that I I don't say it's not a thing I say you know I try to add a little Sherlock Holmes to my Scooby Doo and say well what, what are the things that we can know first And whenever it's not, you know, using deductive reasoning, once we've eliminated the possible, whatever is left has to be the answer. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's kind of how I started Purpose, right? And the weirdest, you know, and it's kind of discussed in in that little short film that you guys saw. Uh, One of the people that I interviewed up there, she is a... uh,
5: well, she's a dowser, first of all. Melinda. So yeah.
6: Melinda, yeah, Melinda, yeah. And and she's a dowser. She also is really involved in a lot of paranormal work, uh, but in a, in a very kind of authentic kind of way, I guess is the only way I can say You know, there's a lot of people that would be happy to sell you their to clear the evil spirits in your house.
2: Oh, absolutely. And she
6: but she's very reclusive, and that kind of gave her, gave her a little bit more credibility to me. Is that she, you know, she didn't publish, publicize publicize herself as any of a kind of clairvoyant or healer or any of these kind of things, really. You know, she was really guarded about that. That's why all I have in my interview uh, in my in my documentary her is the audio from our phone calls, because she, she was like, you know, you can use my first name, you can use my voice, but I don't want to be on video and all this. So one of the uh, one of the interesting uh, perspectives I got on this thing is that, that that basically what we're looking at is an astral projection of some sort of interdimensional being that basically people can the people have parallel selves right in other dimensions and in those other dimensions. Uh, They might be darker than they are in this dimension for example so people that are attenuated to percept to perceiving those types of you can see so a person might look to them like a werewolf for a moment right
5: Mm -hmm. but
6: you're never going to be able to put that person in a laboratory and you know put CCTV footage on them and watch them transform you know it's it's a different energetic frequency that our brain can perceive that man-made technology can't. That's her perspective. And I thought that was really cool, even if it's just
2: for the sci-fi value. You're right. Yeah. So but then. Oh, good. Good. Oh, no, 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 no. Fin- finish your thought. Finish your thought. Well, so so
6: then I fell into a book by a guy named, and I'm gonna butcher his last name. He he teaches at the Sorbonne, Sorbonne. So he's not just some kooky guy writing books about the paranormal. He wrote a book called Witches, Werewolves, and Fairies, uh, where he, I mean, the byline of the book is shapeshifters and astral doubles in the Middle Ages. And it's a really interesting book. And it kind of, in a lot more academic kind of way, backs a lot of what Melinda was just saying intuitively. Hmm. Uh, and surprisingly enough, you know, here, here's where it all comes together. This guy publishes his book. Where does he publish his book? It, the publisher is Ru- in Ru-
4: Rutland, Vermont. Uh, Tuttle.
6: Well,
5: it-
4: Tuttle Publishing.
6: Well, no, it's not. Uh, it's not. That. It's uh, what are they called? Inner tradition. I'm sorry, they're not in Rutland. I'm looking at it now. Oh, I, knew,
2: yeah. yes, yes, um, I it, know. Yes. It was distributed by Tuttle Publishing because I remember putting that thing in many a box when I worked there. <laughs> right
5: and, and, and he, yeah, well that
6: makes sense cuz Total's a huge publisher Yeah.
2: Too, yes. Yes, and I know where inter- I know exactly yep. I
4: know where this planet, the place you're talking about is. I've actually uh, I've actually been there. Um, my line of work, I uh I have been there to do things. So Okay. Yeah. And
6: it's so strange how like, it's like all relief really to Vermont. <laughs> it also gets weird. So we, while I was investigating the Scandinavian and Icelandic werewolf uh, folklore to try to just complete the picture, uh, I met I, I, I read this book about Iceland and Iceland academic you know journalist. Uh, her name is Nancy Marie Brown. So I was like, okay, well I'm going to go to Iceland. I'm going to interview these people. I want to talk to Nancy Marie Brown and kind of get her perspective on a the, the general overview of Icelandic folklore. And as I'm talking to her, I find out a little bit, you know, like.
2: 20 minutes. You still there? I'm still here. Okay, we lost you there for. Okay, so I don't know where we left off. Um, you were going to Iceland to interview Nancy. Oh yes, no, so I was going to Iceland to interview
6: I uh, uh, Wanted to get kind of uh, a primer in Icelandic folklore and history first, so I went ahead and got in touch with this other author, and it turns out she lived. Uh, like 20 minutes away from where I was in Franklin County.
2: Oh, nice. Yep.
6: Yeah, okay. You, are you, you can hear me now? Yep. Okay. Anyway, it's not that interesting of an anecdote, but it was, it was, it was pretty interesting just that the link back to Vermont, you know, it's just crazy how everything intersects here. So strange.
2: It, you know, there's a lot of, Vermont has got a long history of weird, paranormal supernatural kind of stuff like that too i mean we we were there's a, the town actually lived not far from the place where the, the family lived uh the eddie family they were big into like the spiritualism movement in the late 1800s um yeah they uh yeah there's a lot of what that happens in vermont i mean we've got goat man somewhere we've got pig man like and, and yeah, uh
6: and also, you've got the you know the the whole vampire scheme yeah. of the 1800s was a big thing here. You know, with entire families being accused of being vampires. Yep. Which leads me to so okay, so okay, okay. So so you know, knowing what we know about the New England vampire, specifically how there were like entire families here that were
1: accused
6: of being vampires. Part of me wonders if it was that fear that elicited. The you know kind of awoken the uh, Irish immigrant communities idea that we need the werewolves
2: to get between us and the vampires. Yeah, I never would have thought of that. To be honest with you, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because like I mean, it, especially down toward we have a a pretty solid uh, Irish American community down here. We've got a lot of them, um, like over like West Rutland, Rutland that area, um, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got a lot of old timers that will. You know, they, they won't really tell you many stories, but, you know, they've got that in the back of their head somewhere. They've, you know, with their ancestral folklore that I'm sure they're telling people, but. Right. And, you know, and I'm
6: looking at this also as this is the exact, this is the same time when, you know, this, this would be the first generation of immigrants. first of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, you know, you had the Fenian raids that happened in Franklin County where, uh, you know, you had a lot of. Uh, Irish rebels had come to fight and and launch strikes over the the border into Canada against British posts. So there were there there was also this idea at the time uh, because, you know, if you you contextualize like Bram Stoker and all of that from that same period really what Bram Stoker is saying with Dracula is that it's, it's kind of a social critique of nobility and he's basically saying Look, you have these old institutions that suck the life out of, people, and you know they—they don't do anything except take from everyone else. Yep. Right? So th- that's kind of how the vampire, I think, fit into because you know, you're considering, and yet you have, you have Karl Marx is writing at the exact same time, you know, in the exact same town as Bromstoke. Yes. Yep. So, so you have all, so so what is the guys at the time is the idea that we're being, we're having the life sucked out of us. You know, people like Marx. People like Dickens, people like Stoker, uh, Sabine baring who wrote the book of werewolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of these people are basically talking about the same theme of you know we, we are against our will because of this of a, of a of a
4: hidden force losing our the essence of our life. Right? Yeah, and how can we overcome that? So, Essentially,
2: exactly. Stoker was just the one that happened to put it to. Uh... To you know, humanize it onto a historical maniac. Exactly. <laughs> who wasn't? What a perfect example. He's like the perfect archetype for for the whole criticism, you know. Yeah. But who wasn't really a? He's a. He's actually a. He's a folk hero he's over there. But hero. it's like you look at the rest of history. It's like yeah, so was Genghis Khan, but he was still an asshole. Well, well yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think every, everybody that
5: got anything done made
6: enemies. Oh yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, you know. Yeah can please all the people all the time. So I, and I, I mean, not to not to try to put Vlad the Impaler on the you know. this is I mean, some people maybe can. You know, Mother Teresa, I don't know. But, <laughs> I, but if you really get it done, you're gonna have to make enemies, and I yeah. think that's what, what always happens. And so you're gonna have two different traditions that interpret that. But in this tradition, you know, and and I think the reason why Vlad the Impaler. Uh, resonated, you know, in that that particular time, like, what, 400 years later, we're talking Mm about? Yeah, somewhere in there. It was because he was seen as the perfect archetype for how nobility and monarchism is sucking the life out of Europe, you know, even though in America it's been over for a while. Yeah. And I think that that might be kind of the, because when you consider... You know the the Irish diaspora; they were not, you know, they were not wealthy. So you also have this kind of all, all of that folklore that goes with that rural, uh, dispossessed people. They bring that over, and that you know, influences the narrative. You know, of why certain things are happening, why they're being. You know, so I, I could just see somewhere in that constellation, the, the the werewolf motif comes to life. But that still doesn't explain to me. Why, all the way back to the 1780s, you know, are, are there newspapers in Quebec and uh, uh, talking about this
1: werewolf that comes back and forth across the board? Yeah. That, that's the part
6: that still is a head-scratcher to me. You know, I can see it falling into that whole Victorian craze. I can see it being uh, a... Uh, shorthand for you know some other kind of social commentary, but, but I can't see why in the world in in the 1780s a newspaper would be talking about a werewolf.
5: Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, a things, you know. Why in the 17 you know 1800s why would they be talk Why would uh, newspapers be talking about UFOs? You
2: know, they they the, 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 the same example. I think, and you know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, all that. I mean, it was wild man back then. Yeah, but big, big, it's all in man, a,
4: you know, roam in the I woods.
6: That, and 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 the thing where I think that we got to argue is that you know, m- maybe the thing that was seen as Bigfoot was a werewolf. Maybe the thing that was seen as a werewolf was Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, unless you do a photo or a drawing, you know, I mean, I, I mean, you know, then that gets into the whole, you know, what is the Bigfoot really? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. I do think, you know, we, we were talking at the beginning of this about the dogman versus uh werewolf yep. uh motifs. I am really to admit I'm not terribly well initiated into the dog man
2: mm-hmm. phenomenon. Uh I have some theories about it. So to to me, the the dogman's like um like a physical creature that is always the way that it is. Where the were, where where the werewolf, I kind of picture more as, like, the mythological, like, you know, man becoming a werewolf kind of thing under the full moon or whatever. Um, the shapeshifter thing. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you got you have stories of dogmen from all over the country. You got them in, um, Oh, you're, you're yeah, old? Yes, Oklahoma. There's some down there. Um, Michigan. They, they're all over the place. Um... And it's, it's, it's never like, you know, oh, I saw this guy transform, you know, like, you know, when it stood up, I heard its bones crack so that it could change its skeleton or whatever. I have heard those stories and I hear them and I'm like, these people are fucking crazy. Um, and I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty open-minded about stuff, but when you hear something like that, you're like, ah, uh, <laughs> really?
5: Well,
6: I guess this goes back to what I was saying though about our preconceived notion. It's like, okay, it's not a werewolf. How do we know it's not a werewolf? Because it's not like a werewolf. Right. Wait, 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 wait. Let's take a step back.
2: Doesn't have a flannel shirt and jeans on, you know.
6: <laughs> you know what I mean. And so, to me, you know, I believe it or not, I got a lot of flack on my video when I put it on YouTube from people that were saying it's not a werewolf dummy; it's a dog man. And I'm like, oh, I see.
3: Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, well, and I
6: even said this to a couple people because I just thought it was funny. But I was just like, well, okay, let's let's just let's just take it apart a little bit, you know. Whole cool idea. What is what is a wolf? Right, we know what a wolf is. What is a dog? It's a domesticated wolf. Yeah. <laughs> so again, is the dog man the domesticated version of the wolf?
4: <laughs> well, it, or or is it? Um, I mean, there there's also that there's another theory that it's actually something l- more like uh, s- Sasquatch. Yeah, like a different species different of it, or something like a yeah offshoot of sure, it. Sure, sure.
6: And and I guess what I just think was funny is that people are starting to quibble with me over semantics. Yes, yeah, exactly. Dudes, I think we could probably just say, what about Creature X? And, I mean? Because it's really, it's all just a placeholder for an
5: unknown.
2: I mean, the, the, the point there is, I mean, no, nobody has got one in their basement that they're studying, you know. It's all, exactly. it's, it's all theoretical at this point. And that's the other part of this whole saga that also intrigues me and,
6: and really keeps me interested in this interdimensional thing. Uh, or this this creature that is a is a perception of certain people that are open to to to, to be able to witness it. It, it, because I mean, where is the archaeology if, if there's an entire species of this thing? And I don't get me wrong, we haven't discovered every species on the planet. And you can say that, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. But, but if it's a physical thing that is there and always there, then
2: where are the bones? I,
6: why can't we find at the bone? Why can't, I mean, and I'm sure you, you can spin a
2: conspiracy
6: yarn about this thing, you know, and you know, the government's involved and they are covering it
2: up. Yeah. I mean, that's, then, then you kind of get into like giant territory where it's like, you know, all these giant skeletons that have been dug up throughout the country and then they get sent to the Smithsonian and they get misplaced, you know? Yeah. I mean,
6: they're, they're you know, I mean, I guess uh, one of the things that I always turn around doing an investigation is I try I try my best to use just the scientific method, and then I also try to use just uh, reasoning used based on you know motives. So my question would always be, what's the motive? Uh, you know, why 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 would there be a dog man that's trying that 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 the government is hiding from mm-hmm. us? I mean, I, I, because. If, we, if there's anything we know about our government, they're cheapskates. Yeah. Right?
2: And, I mean, <laughs> For they're sure. Happy
6: they're, they're, they're happy to spend taxpayer money on things that pr- profit their friends, you know? They're like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll spend, uh, you know, worse building a website that doesn't work. <laughs> you know?
2: More than once.
6: Which I, which I don't know why that it, any website anywhere ever costs $2 million. You know, I don't think anybody I know who's a programmer or whatever, you know, but okay. <laughs> here's my thing is like, I don't see what the profit motive is in the dog man. And I don't see, I mean, I mean, like I, I have you guys heard any hypothetical? Cause I really haven't found even a hypothetical theory that makes any sense to me. I, but, I, but, I, but I'm open to it.
2: I just, to, I just don't know. I have heard one that was, it pertained more towards like Bigfoot, but I think it, I think it can work both ways where if, if you were to tell people, Hey, there is a, a thing that lives in the woods it looks kind of like us but it's like basically a giant ape kind of You're. they said that you would lose a lot of your uh, in outdoors uh like tax money there where people are like vacationing and camping and all that stuff um you would lose uh a lot of your logging business because now it has to be a protected suit for an endangered animal this that the other and then it would just scare the shit out of people to know that there's you know Basically, you know, Bigfoot or a werewolf running around in the woods, and so nobody would go out there anyway. Or you so, get so
6: that, and, that, and that makes I mean, I, I there is logic to that. I mean, I definitely see the logic to that. For me, I would say that you know, let's just look at past president where there's similar situations, right? Uh, are they do they mind killing other endangered species to make money? No, they just find a way to rationalize it. Yep. And as far as driving off tourism, uh, I mean, look at Roswell, New Mexico. Did the presence of aliens hurt Roswell?
2: No, not even remotely.
6: Exactly. That whole community thrives because of, uh, I mean, if that, that town would probably be a town anymore if it weren't for the fact that they had the alien thing.
4: Well, so, uh, I'm sorry to cut you out, but like Vermont. Yeah. Vermont and yeah. in, in, in eastern New York, what do they thrive off of? The fact that there's a, a sea monster Lake Champlain. Yeah. Here,
2: here, here's I mean, another one for you. Point Pleasant, West Virginia. We actually just finished up a, a series on the Mothman. And, I mean, that's a place where 40-some-odd people died, collapsed, and now they have a Mothman festival every year, and they got a big statue of it in the middle of town and stuff. So, I mean, they're making money
5: off of that.
4: And I look at it kind of like, I can relate, you know, Vermont ways. I, I relate it to... <laughs> um. um this whole dog man thing, Sasquatch—I it, really it's something that you can tangibly it exists, which is for us, it's the a mountain lion, catamount, oh, puma, whatever you want to call it. Um, they say it doesn't exist in Vermont; it's extinct. It doesn't. You know, there is none, which there is a a, of shit. Which, which is absolutely it, crap. You know,
6: that's it. You will. I mean, this happens all the time. You know, it, it, it is. We we find species that we just, that we had already we said are extinct so and if this thing is intelligent you know I mean if, it, if it's an advanced uh, uh, I mean primate of some type right it, you know it might be you know, on a completely different evolutionary trajectory that makes it incredibly difficult to track I mean hell I was living in the northern part of the state for years and one of my hopes was to encounter a moose you know, yeah. you can believe how hard it was to find them. You know, yeah. Every once in a while, you'll find one. He'll wander into your stuff, but for the most part, you know, if, if you go looking for these animals, it's almost harder to find them. So, I, so you know, I can say that there are things out there that we don't, we haven't discovered. You know what I mean? I, I, I would know, be, mm-hmm. be foolish to say it's impossible. Yeah. And I, but I, but I think the longevity of the shapeshifter aspect of this thing is what I think is
4: really fascinating you know. yeah uh, d- now uh, so kind of yeah, getting back to, so did you ever at any point during this feel that maybe that they are misidentifying this and it's a wolf or it's a coyote because around in Vermont we have really large co- uh, coy dogs huge coyotes and I mean coyotes are because they're, they're a crossbreed
6: well that was the first of course that was kind of the first go to thing.
4: Uh,
6: but so so one of the witnesses the way the, you know the way that they described it was
5: that, you know, it it started off two legged
6: and ran and it loped along the side of their car at like forty miles an hour.
4: Right. In a pack. And you know, I don't do that. No. The other thing is they said that when it was on all
6: fours, it was almost as tall as the car. They also described it as being really dark colored. Uh, you know, it, I mean,
2: maybe black. Yep. Uh,
6: so, again, you know, I mean, and I, there aren't, you know, who knows? Maybe there is. Yes. But maybe there is an anomaly amongst, because, you know, when I was, you know, I, I actually went to go and get my Trapper's license in Vermont. So I could really go out and try and have an excuse to try to figure out what might be out there, you know? Uh, and I couldn't believe, you know, how big the coyotes oh, are. Yeah, they're all massive. Yeah. They're crazy. Um, compared to the Southwest where I had seen them before, they're, you know, they're twice the size. But I think that just the way, you know, even if you were, there was a genetic anomaly where you have one that's black to have a pack of them. That's yeah. That's kind of, that's real
2: odd. And they don't
6: usually chase cars. No.
2: Um, no, when, when you got into your description of that, one chasing, uh, chasing that woman's car, I, I, we cold chills, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, cause I know when we first started talking, I sent you a link for everything. I don't know if you had a chance to, to listen to it, but, um, on our first episode, I did an encounter that I had when I was living in Chittenden, um, where I was driving into Rutland one night and I came across this thing that I have no explanation for in the middle of the road. And, uh, I mean, it was it looked like a wolf, but it was, you know, pretty much three times bigger than it did. um And uh, the long story short, the thing that stuck out to me the most was the front paws weren't dog paws. They were closer to like raccoon paws where they kind of looked like they had little grab, like you need to grab stuff. Right. Um, and I mean, it, it was every, every bit of four and a half feet tall at the shoulders, this thing I saw. And I just sat there and looked at it in my car. And it just walked off the side of the road on all fours, and like, you know, like it was supposed to be there. Um, See, I mean, and, and
6: and you are you are finding more and more of these. You know, one of the things when I talked to Joe Citro, he 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 said he's like, these encounters are really rare. You'll find a lot more UFOs, you'll find a lot more ghosts, uh, even Sasquatch stuff, but the werewolf thing is really rare. You know, yeah, and I, and and I took that.
2: action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now to mean that it's just because it's not as uh i don't know i, I mean i i
6: this is this is bad logic. I'll put it out up front. Okay, but part of it was part of what intrigued me about it because it 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 seems to me like people that have encounters that are real and scary they generally don't like to talk about.
2: It. No, I I mean I, I will talk about it if if people bring it up, but it's uh it's one of those things like every and I mean every time I drive through that stretch of road I get fucking cold chills and I just. I'm like, I just got to get out of here. And I try to get out as quick as possible.
5: Exactly.
6: I think that's just anytime anybody, anything that's, you know, maybe traumatic for lack of a better word. Yeah. I I mean, I use that word now, like technically, you know, really technically, anytime you see something that's completely beyond the scope of your normative system, you experience that to some extent as a trauma. And I think, and also because of the stigma, you know, people don't, I mean, I'm, here I am, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a pretty serious documentary filmmaker, right? And I'm talking about werewolves. <laughs>
5: for,
6: for me, you know, there's the I'm afraid of that because it's a credibility thing, you know? Right. Says, oh, well, this is the same guy that's doing the werewolf thing, you know? You almost don't want people to know about any encounter that you have like that. Now, I'm not saying counter, but, uh, but even just being associated with people who have is enough to call your work into question. So I can see why people be really reluctant to talk about it, and that's and the fact that I had to kind of finesse. You know, I mean, I, I will give you another insights. into since I have done this, and, and since I put that other video out, I have had somebody come to me confessing to me that it, that they were one of them that they are a werewolf that they're a shapeshifter, and that and, and I'm, I don't want to get too much into that because I don't want to spoil anything but I'm I'm pursuing that I'm working on an interview and I'm gonna I mean, you no
2: know. was that was that up here or was that down in Oklahoma no that was here no shit okay
5: yeah
6: so uh, interesting yeah so I'm so I'm I'm gonna try to put the, put that together uh and, and and get something out about that once it's once there's once you know once I've vetted it and everything Damn. else, you know, and it, even if it you know, it, you know, I mean, I haven't even fully gotten into all what that means. You know, I I, I what I gather is that this is associated more with the kind of idea of like the, like the Native American idea of shapeshifters. Oh, by mm. the way,
2: I also like a skinwalker kind of deal.
6: Exactly. Yeah, I interviewed some uh, of the tribal elders here. Uh, hmm. Um, for the, I cannot believe I just forgot the name of the tribe.
2: Uh, Abenaki, maybe. Yes, exactly.
6: Okay. I'm so sorry. Uh, and, uh, and and they told me that you know that, that tradition of shapeshifting goes way back for the Abenaki here. Uh, but you know this—it's just—it's just everywhere. I mean, you know, the, the Norse god Odin, for example. Yep. You know, he's a shapeshifter. This is such a widespread, universal motif. There has to be something to it. Now, I don't want to be the one to put the what. You know, I don't want to just fill in the X for the sake of saying I feel. it. But part of me, you know, feels like, for example, uh, there was a there was a cop in Russia.
2: Uh, uh, Ah, no, Mikhail.
5: uh,
2: Fuck, I have it right there. He's on my list. But yeah, he killed like 59 some odd people, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, he's a lot of people. Yeah,
6: they dubbed him the Werewolf, right? Yep. And I think part of the reason we will do that is because, oh, okay, Werewolf. I guess are a very rare, if if they're even real. So it makes it a lot more easy to it makes it a lot easier to process this terrible thing. You know, we're supposed to trust, and if they're as serial killers, yeah. Uh, well, we can't keep them in the category of cop anymore, then. We, you know, if you were to just talk about, oh yeah, the, the murder, the serial killer cops, you know, that's a far scarier reality to be in than to be like, oh yeah, the werewolf cop. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that, he, that anybody's actually saying that he is a
2: werewolf. No, but they, you, you, would, you kind of attribute that to him because of just how brutal the, the murders were. Cause he was, uh, they, they were really violent, if I figured some of them. Exactly. exactly. And, and, it,
6: and it makes it where you, you can, it, you. Can keep the category of policeman pure by removing this person from it and putting him in a category with a monster.
5: Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If just,
6: but if you were just said to say, hey, folks, we live in a world where occasionally, if not fairly regularly, people we just murder people more or less with impunity. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, enjoy your day. Dude, <laughs> that is a that is far more nightmarish, I think. So I think, you know, people historically it has to come up with these tall tales to explain reality in a way that puts a distance between them and its brutality
2: so um not, not to not to like kind of jump back but um please please tell you, where are you guys when, you're when we like earlier this week uh maybe last week whenever it was um i posted up uh, both of the documentaries that i found on your on your youtube page um and a friend of the show, uh, he runs a Facebook page called Cryptids Legends, Lore, and Crazy Stories. Um, he shared both of them like almost instantly to his page, and within a, within a couple of minutes, um, I, I don't I don't want this to come off as me sounding like a dick or anything. Um, there's somebody that I'm assuming had seen it. They commented that thing with the book went up to uh, to try to like you know, like almost like as a publicity stunt for the documentary, and I'm like, I don't believe that. I didn't believe that beforehand. And now, after talking to you, I don't believe that either. But I just wanted to kind of address that. If, had you heard anything like that before, or have you had? As soon as you put so, it out, so
6: let me make sure. Let me make sure I'm clear of what the criticism is. I mean, I, I did get a comment one time that uh, on the YouTube video, and this was like months ago, that was something to that effect. But I'm not really entirely sure what the what the
5: concern or
2: okay. Is. So, so, so th- this per- this person was basically saying that the whole part of the documentary or where you mentioned that, you know, somebody broke into your house and stole the book mm-hmm. that old, like uh, the old Irish werewolf book then was made up as some kind of uh, like publicity stunt. Um, and I mean, I, I kind of was like, I don't think that's the case. And now, well, so, so are they saying that the video was made,
6: to support the book, or that the book was made to support the video? The,
2: your, I, 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 your accusation. I think, I think they were saying that the whole book being stolen thing was made up to try to build publicity for the documentary itself. Oh, that's, I mean, let me tell you.
6: Going through a trial? Yeah. <laughs> right, that would be a pretty elaborate scheme. Yeah, and I was like... And, and, and this is all, I mean, this all this all came out in court, record. I mean, you can you can put it put in a Freedom of Information Act request. And, and, and pull that whole, re- uh, that, that whole transcript from that trial. Uh, and you, you everything, I mean, you know, this, the, the deputy sheriff he testified that, you know, yeah, the guy t- told me that he went into the house. I mean, uh, you know, nobody said,
1: yeah, he stole his stuff. Cause I mean,
2: after talking to you, I was like, when you mentioned that whole thing, I'm like, why the hell would he make up? going to court to, you know, to publicize a documentary. This all, yeah. This is all, this is all public record. Yeah.
6: Now I, I will say that, you know, uh, I mean, I guess what am I trying to say? The book is a weird thing. Uh, because so, so, so the, from what I, from what I, you know, when I had the pictures and videos of the book, uh, but it was so brittle i didn't i tried to scan it and it just started falling apart yeah so what i was going to do is send it to a book restorer so then i could scan it right mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I got uh, i got about i got the introduction and the first part of it yeah. and then i actually took it took i took those copies with me to ireland to have people there who speak irish gaelic translate for me because I speak Irish,
2: yeah. Yeah, just to just to like verify everything with. Okay,
6: right. So, and also, I was worried that. I mean, I'm just going to be really blunt. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was, wor- I, I was I was worried that there might be something more to this. I mean, I I knew that my I knew my residents. I knew that they, that they you know I had filed a uh, restraining order against the guy immediately after it happened. Before they even charged me, okay, let, me let me just take this apart. You know, I'm I'm always wary of getting too much into something that's a real legal thing. Right. But but I'll tell you the chronology, right? So the guy comes into my house, that whole event happens. Uh, Like, the very next morning, I started the process of getting a restraining order. The sheriff only charged me with disorderly conduct. The sheriff, the, the actual sheriff that arrested me, because of all that, he, he gave me a misdemeanor. He said, well, looks to me like it all makes sense. And I, mean, I mean, he let me go. They didn't even take
2: me to the jail. Yeah, basically just took your statement and turned you loose, kind of, huh? Exactly. Okay.
6: Then I filed a restraining order against the guy to make sure he didn't come back anywhere near my property. Within days, he came back and parked right outside of my house uh, in total violation of judge's order. I called the state police. I called the sheriff's department. They came. I I have all this on film. They came. They saw him in his car staring at my house, and they would not make him leave. What the hell? I don't know why. Then, right after that, the sheriff comes back to my house again, and now I thought that he was going to be there to tell me that, uh, you know, they've talked to him and he's not coming back. He came to me to tell me that the state's attorney the prosecutor there was upping the charges from the misdemeanor that the that the, that the police that law enforcement charged me with to aggravated assault with a deadly weapon with a ten year sentence what the hell so it was like they it was like the fact that I was pushing back on this guy trying to get my is part of why I mean, and I, that's totally speculation i have no I have no way to prove that. It just the whole
4: sequence didn't make any sense. Well, I mean, it's 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 kind of let's cut you off there, but it's kind of I mean, yeah. to me, you know, just a listener, you know, listening to your story, it it almost you know, there's a correlation here to me. I mean, it's a little little skeptic, you know, little tin hat theory me coming coming out. Sure. You know, uh it almost seems like oh, there's something about that book um and what you're doing that, or what you did, that doesn't, they, people don't want to get out, and it almost seems to me like, you know, by threatening you in this way, you know, it kind of almost seems that they are pushing you out, and you want you to report on this, don't want you to get this story out, because you're hitting a little too close to home, and, you know, which is which is kind of, you know... Intriguing.
6: And, you know, the, the the true crime person in me thinks that all of this was done to drum me out of town because I was looking into these disappearances and then this shady state senator and that network, right? Yeah. I don't want. I mean, that, that that's the practical part of, of the thing. And I think that they used this guy who came into my house and all that stuff as a pretext.
1: Yep. For, you know,
6: they they were like think he's just a small time petty criminal that thought he would come and steal some books. And then they got wind
2: of the altercation and said, Oh, here's our chance to chase this guy out of town or put him in prison. Now I'm, I'm sure you mentioned it before because I know you said that you sold some of the books on eBay. Was this after those books had sold that he broke in? Yes. Okay. So, so
6: I, I like, I brought the books, I went through them, I cleaned them up. Uh, the ones that were in okay
2: shape that I
6: didn't have any personal interest in, I just put it on eBay.
2: So a moment I was tracking this kind of stuff on eBay and realized that this box of books that he had sold you for a buck were worth a bunch more, and he came and tried to steal what looked like the most valuable of them, almost. During
6: all of the lead-up to the trial, I, what kind of came up was that I made the mistake of the friends at the diner uh, about... I I was just excited. I was like, this is awesome. I bought this box of books for a dollar, and I just sold one book for almost two grand, right? I just thought that that was a really cool thing to have. It's just a little side casual conversation. Yeah, definitely. But, but of course, the diner (laughs) is literally not half a block away from this guy's antique store or jump jump shop where books, and I think it was only a matter of time till one or two people said, hey, you know that box of books? that you, that guy bought for a
2: dollar, he sold one of them for two grand. Yeah, like, news like that travels so fast in small towns up here anyway. I mean, like, uh, I mean, my probably like five, ten years ago, my dad got into a car accident. And I didn't know about it until I went to the store. And this was within like five minutes of it happening. And somebody came up and they're like, hey, is your dad all right? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, I heard he got into an accident. I'm like, oh, I'm glad I heard about this, you know? He's like, oh, well, Yeah. And so, and, and because that guy, so, so the other thing was when we furnished
6: our house uh, and we had, uh, we, you know, we, we had movers bring the furniture in and everything like that. You know, these were, he, he was one of the guys that moved the so. Uh, he, so he already knew the layout of my house, you know, he knew well, you know, that I had other valuable things in there. Like I have a lot of you know, I have the Bruce Eagle artwork I was telling you about, like original art that was went on to be famous posters and stuff. Yep. So I think so then there's another interesting component to it. And and let me tell you, man, I mean I'm a i you know, I'm a journalist. I document everything. So anything I'm telling you here, I'll, I'll if I can't prove it, I'll say beforehand this is my speculation gesture. Damn. So uh, uh While I was away, so like I said, I bought the box of books, I sold a couple on eBay, told some friends, then Playboy got back in touch with me and said, we really want you to go and get the rest of this story because there's been some changes in the case. So I had to split and ditch and leave my house and go back to Oklahoma. So here's a weird thing that happened. Now, when I go to work on these kind of assignments, I usually use a burner because if anybody... You know, if I'm doing a a deep investigation with some dangerous people and somebody steals my phone, I don't want them to know everybody that I know. Yeah. So I have a project phone, right? But then I keep my other phone usually safe and secure, like in a hotel or something. Yep. So when I got home, my landlord from Franklin County had called me. I was renting this house from him. He called me and he said, "Uh, hey, uh, the guy from the office wants to know when you're going to be back. And I said, why does he care when I'm going to be back? And he said, well, oh, he, he said that you guys have some business to do. I, I don't know. And I'm like, first of all, he's number A, so why didn't he call? Uh, second of all, why did he call my landlord to find out if I was home? Yeah. Why didn't he just stop by my house, right? So that immediately raised red flags to me. That's, that's, that's somebody casing your house.
4: Yes, definitely, definitely one of those. So,
6: so I told my landlord, "Well, I'm going to be back in about three weeks," uh, and then I actually wound up getting finished earlier and was back uh, like within five days. Yep. So, he can't, and so the other thing was. This, it was it was Father's Day when this happened. I remember because I brought my son with me. He brought, my son didn't live with me at the time, so he had come back to stay with me for the summer. And we had started playing video games together in the back room around three o'clock. It was daylight, and we played till it was dusk. So you know how if you're playing video games, you no, yeah, know no. yeah, yeah, for you sure. Know, <laughs> yeah. So it looked like the house was empty, right? And then also my car was gone because I had loaded it to a friend. And so when I, you know, when I, I mean, all of this is in court testimony, too, by the way. So, I mean, I mean, him admitting that he went inside and, you know, all of this stuff. I mean, the, the sheriff, he lied about a lot of things on the stand, but but he forgot that he had already told the, sheriff, <laughs> the first version of the story. So when the sheriff testified, he corroborated this, you know, so so I know the guy is, you know, and, and here's what his defense was. for for why he went into the house in the first place, right? Was he thought he was, he thought I was being robbed. So he had come in to stop the robber. Mm. What checking it out, right? Exactly. I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter why you do it. also, you know, when I, when I heard him rustling around and I went into the room, he got really aggressive straight away. Rather than saying, uh, you
5: know, oh, I'm so glad that you, uh, you know, that you know that it's just you and not a robber right he got really aggressive and
6: defensive and I was and it didn't it just didn't make any sense so looking back I'm like oh shit that book is on my kitchen table now that book is gone (laughs) damn it he probably took it he probably put it in his pants or under his you know under his shirt or something Uh, I don't even remember I just remember because it was so shocking to me to walk into my kitchen here's this big I mean this dude is gigantic Gets right in my face, right? And all you know, all of a sudden, like there's his, his level of defensiveness didn't make sense unless he was trying to act or deflect or something. Now again, what? I don't, I don't know. I didn't see him take the book. All I know is the book was there. I was making notes from the book. I went back, playing video games, heard the noise, went in. There's the dude. He gets in my face, and the book's gone and the book is gone. Yeah, yeah. And and everything I bought the books from, it only makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? mean, Now, can I prove that? No, I can't prove that. But if anybody really wants to take the time to pull through, you know, all the court testimony and all that stuff, I mean, you know, and and I also, I filmed the whole trial. I thought about actually putting all of that up. Hmm. Uh, but, But that's kind of dicey. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like... It's just kind of tacky. and <laughs> but, but, I, but, I, but I might do if there's people that are, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, this is another thing. And this is a thing that I, I, you know, I'll bring to your listeners' attention too, right? The people that are saying to me, you know, books from that, you know, it was not uncommon in Ireland for for books of that era to be, uh, to, to be like once-off boutique publishing. Right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a, just a one-time thing.
6: Right. So, so there are people that are saying, "Well, if there's an antiquarian book like that out there, it's incredible."
5: Yeah. But
6: if you consider all the other books that were in this box, there were a lot of rare books. So whoever that belonged to was a rare book guy. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's that part of it. Um, I, you know, and I wish that I had been able to copy the entire book. Yeah. It, it really turned. I mean, it just just as an antiquarian book lover, you know. The fact that I wasn't able to copy the whole book turns my stomach to think about. But, t- t- I mean, I can tell you, I mean, I, I spent almost $50,000 of all of the money I had, right, at the time. I mean, all the money I had saved, my entire savings went to that trial. Shoot. The $1,500 that I made on YouTube, right, that's how much money I made off
5: uh-huh.
6: of <laughs> And the. I don't know 20 copies of the book that I sold yeah I mean, I'll, I'll send you guys my fucking KPD
1: invoice for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> which,
4: which which I just want to jump in real quick the, you, see, you mentioned your book I, I just want to let everybody know what the book is it's was this uh, the book you wrote that you just mentioned was called uh, The Wolf Clan of uh, Aaron um right which that, now I have changed oh. the original
6: the original title no no no, no I mean the, if you want to get the book yeah that's what that's what it's called the original title that, that, that the, the, I put the title because the, it was uh, the original title was too cumbersome.
5: Mm.
2: So, oh yeah, being one of those old-ass books it probably had like a 36-word title in it with, you know... No, no, his book. Oh, no, no, like the, the original. Yeah. With, you know, a bunch of, you know, colons and... <laughs> the original title,
6: it was, uh, because they used the ancient name for for uh, Ireland, which was Eru. Yep. And, and a lot of people know that, you know, which is derived from Eru, but I thought, you know, nobody's going to know what this book is about. If it's if it says, the men of Eru or the mission of Maewyn to the wolf clan of Osiris as told by the Wanderer. Like, <laughs> exactly. I, so I just went, so I just went ahead and shortened the title. But... And, and I included the. Uh, I mean, I mean, you, 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 I can go into the book, but I feel like now I don't even want to talk about it much because people are going to say that I'm just trying to promote the damn right. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I can't. I can't prove to anybody, you know, that, uh, you know, I can't prove without a shadow of a doubt, that probably that I uh, did Put myself on trial, and this is all a gigantic scam. But I can tell you, if you look at my accounting, if, yeah. any, if this was a scam on the world's crappiest con, <laughs> I'm, I'm still like tens and tens of thousands of no. on, the whole, on the whole thing. Not to mention this stress of being on trial, having my son watch me be arrested in the front yard. Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm I, sure. I mean all of this other stuff. If this is a, if, this would be the world's most like hoax, and. I would. Like to make a <laughs> yeah. Just, just in terms of you know, you know that'd be that would be some pretty, pretty you know, that would be some like you know, Illuminati work in the system, right? Uh, but no, I mean I can tell you for sure, man. Like the. Also, it would destroy me as a journalist if, if like, you know, you know what I mean. Like, it just it, the, the off the the cost benefit. I mean, I can tell you, right, now, man. There's the money, a little paranormal thing, right? It's fun and it might supplement some people's income, but it's nothing compared to what you're going to make. I mean, I just did, you know, I just footage to Netflix for the Tiger King, right? Oh, geez. Well, yeah, we we'll, won't we'll talk
5: about that. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll stop you there. <laughs> oh, she totally killed her husband, though. I, well, you know, I
2: did I a documentary about George Exotic in 2015. Really?
6: It's called the life exotic. <laughs> yeah, so so I you know I had already you know and that's what I'm saying, man. Like you know the 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 money that I made, and I'm not trying to be, I'm just defending myself a little
2: bit. Oh yeah, absolutely, no
1: problem.
6: But the money that I made on just the license deal, that footage, you know, I also did the music for the show, right? Yeah. But, but the money that I made on that makes everything that I could probably ever make off of this. Pound the Cold Hollow thing is, is a pittance. Yeah. It would not be worth the risk.
2: Right. You know I mean? Yeah. And there's no point in d- destroying your career, you know, for something like that when,
6: yeah you know, to, to, to make a funky little. Yeah. I mean, it's, And again, you got to remember that I, I fell into all of this thing. The whole thing was a joke myself. That's what I mean. If you read the original Playboy article, uh,
4: yeah, towards the end, you kind of—I was like—I I, I, got a chuckle at it.
6: I was just—I was just kind of saying, like, you know, this whole thing is just a little bit goofy, you know. I mean, yeah, it's—it's it's true. People do disappear. It's true. People say that there's a werewolf, you know, or an—you know—some kind of interdimensional creature that appears periodically, appears and wanders off with folks, you know. Uh, Those—that's one of the things I've really tried to People say. This movie doesn't prove there's a werewolf, and I'm like. No, 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 guys. I'm not trying to prove there's a werewolf. I'm trying to prove that there's a werewolf legend. Yeah,
2: you're, you're documenting the folklore of the area. Right. It's not like you're out in the woods, you know, with flashlights and shit trying to actually find it. I mean.
6: Exactly. And honestly, if I thought for sure that there was a werewolf up there, you better believe I would drop everything that I am doing. And I would take all of my savings and all of my assets. And I would spend the rest of my time until I tracked that. And got it on film because that would be the most incredible piece of footage that anybody ever had anywhere ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah oh yeah. So, you know, so I would definitely pursue that. But to say that this is just a—I mean, also, I, I, so I don't know. So when 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 people come at when when you have I heard this, you heard it on Facebook, I guess. What are you saying? Yeah. That this is just a promotional thing. Yeah. Are they are they saying that unlike most werewolf, uh, you know, um, unlike most werewolf movies or, or werewolf documentaries or documentaries, this this one has a profit motive? Yeah, right.
5: Yeah,
6: <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not denying that I would you know, I'm not giving it away for free. You know what I mean? I'm you know I mean I well I kind of am actually. Yeah. I kind of put it on YouTube. You know I mean I didn't go it. Amazon, or I mean, I I have a lot of friends that are in this mess, and I could—I mean, I was on the Travel Channel actually for this. Oh wow! And uh, and I and I basically was like, yeah, but I don't want to become like a monster hunter guy. Not really my career. Yeah. Yeah. This was just a this was just a once-off thing that because of my interest in history and folklore, I delved a little more deeply into with the book and all that
4: stuff. Now, oh, oh, so. I know we only got a few more minutes left with you because you, you you're going to jet off. But um, I just kind of want, like, some questions, you know, just kind of put them together so we can just – because I know we got some people that would be like, well, what about this? What about that? Yeah, what's his thoughts on
2: this? And if, if, if we've got a few minutes, I want one more I wanted to throw at you too. So, um, yeah. now, you, you said you were, you know, in,
4: in the area for a, a while. Um, Did you – this is like a two-part question. Did you actually – um, go to, like, the areas where some of these people, like, the lady, uh, she said that she heard an howling. And right. did you actually go possibly to the area and take a look and, you know, to kind of, like, look into it? And did you also t- look... Did you also look into the possibility of what the howling was? Because, I mean, I, I kind of just me myself I was like okay well hey I have to look into this myself and the closest thing I came to was uh wolves yeah you know it was from the
2: documentary last night and as soon as that recording went off my dogs one of them jumped out of the chair one of them jumped off the couch and they both went and just sat and stared at the TV like heads all over the place trying to figure out what the hell's going on so I'm like that sounds like a dog to me yeah I mean so I, I can tell you
6: how I came by that footage Uh but that footage of me. So after I had written the Playboy article, that was when people started coming to me with more, right? Mm. Uh, and so a friend of mine who owned a restaurant up there said, "Oh man, that reminds me. There, a friend of mine has this crazy footage of this. Uh, you know, that she took in her house of you know of this of, of this crazy animal sound. You know that you know." You know that would probably be really interesting if you had included that. So I asked for it, and he and he got it to me. And then I was like, "This is, but really bizarre." You know. So then I said, know the woman who made it." And so that's she's, So she's in the documentary. Uh, and then, so so so, so there's that. Uh, and then I decided that I would try to find some people that would, that are experts in animal sounds. Mm-hmm. That's actually been harder than I thought. Um, the other thing that I mean, you know, if I if I had an unlimited budget for this thing, I would also want to have somebody do a kind of almost like forensic study of the file, mm-hmm. because there are ways, there are telltale things in audio files that you can find out if there have been things added or tampered with or whatever. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I, I'll admit I haven't done that because I that, that's a pretty that's beyond my skill set, personally. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah, it, would, it would be pretty expensive to do. I mean, I would love. You know, I mean, one thing. You know, if I wanted to make a big deal on on, on this property, you know, on the video property or something, and somebody really want to take this apart, you know, I would love if Monster Hunter or or some other show that had those kind of resources would take it apart. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I have. I haven't done that, so I can't. I can't say for sure. All I can say is. This was the video that was given to me. Yep. This is what it sounded like. I played it for a people, like a game warden. Uh, and that's what he said. He said it sounds kind of like a hound dog. Uh, uh, I I did play it for another friend of mine in Oklahoma, the a, I mean, he's just, he's a farmer, basically. I mean, kind of glorified farmer, but he has, you know. One of the things that he pointed out was that it, that the resonance of it
2: sounds like it
6: would have to be incredibly large for it to have that
2: kind of sound. That I was thinking is it was either real big or it was real. They recorded it from. Well, so, as you know,
6: it, it, I think it was fairly close. Uh, I mean, that's what she told me. But the 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 sound. Was close. Mm-hmm. I did go to try to find you know. But the, the thing is, this, the, this, that video was given to me years after it was made, because she just made the video thinking, this is weird, and then I put out the Playboy thing, and, and I, so she, she didn't make like to, to, to give to me. She right. made this on her own, and then she told her friends and played it for her friends, and then one of her friends said, oh yeah, she's got this recording. So going and inspecting the place, you know, years after the fact, there was nothing that, I, you know, I, I, I would love to be able to go and, like, cull the whole area hmm. and bag all. I mean, this is what, we, what somebody should do and then they, when they find a sighting like this. Go ahead was take take everything that you can possibly take and and do some sort of genetic analysis of it, right? Yeah. Every time you find these straight hair, of course, that's a massive undertaking. Oh, yeah. You know, I wasn't equipped to do that. So I had to kind of take people at face value. So what I decided to do was just to say here you know here is the same weird thing that I saw and you know as much about it as I do. If somebody comes back to me with a with, with a with a with a pretty legit hypothesis of what it, is, it was doctored or whatever else, I'm totally open to entertaining that. Uh, you know, I just don't have the means personally to prove or disprove
4: things from the recording yeah so like uh, well when you and during the the film um Mm -hmm. you talked about this earlier um was the whole uh with a woman um having the the beasts or beasts run beside her vehicle um kevin had actually uh uh, brought up to me i really you know couldn't didn't recollect this didn't recall it was uh, about the the beast of bray road have you ever heard of that No, Wisconsin oh yeah oh, oh.
6: About yeah, uh, how? and you know actually i did get a hold of linda god yes yeah i i actually tried the werewolf queen and, and and try yes yeah, so, you know she has uh to, 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 I, know, oh know, yeah just, <laughs> just to compare notes so i got the beast of Bray road and then i got the other book that she did called uh i can't remember what it, was it was an american but, werewolf yeah, yeah. American werewolf Yep. Thing. i just wanted to compare the things that you know before and also, before I talked to her, I wanted to, you know, I hate doing that to authors, and you know, you know, like explain to me a thing. They're like, I just wrote a whole book about the <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I want to do my homework first. Uh, you know, I think that one of the things that she's got that's really compelling that I don't have was the. Uh, that, that The local sheriff's
2: there had a file on it. Yeah, had a, like a big, thick, manila folder that he's like, well, we just put stuff in this, and I put it in the filing cabinet. It had like yeah. 60, 80 like, files in it, and he's like, yeah, whatever, and just plopped it in a, in a filing cabinet somewhere.
6: So I can tell you that law enforcement in Franklin County, as, as far as I have been able to find out, doesn't have like that, and they aren't interested in the <laughs>
5: No. No, it's... this.
4: Not not in Vermont. That's not kind of... It just seems like it's not one of those things that we as Vermonters, you know, we'll put out there, want to, you know, we, anything paranormal or, or cryptid, stuff like that. We just kind of like, eh, whatever. We're not, like, well, across the border over in Whitehall, New York, where, you know, they have... Sasquatch Bigfoot, that well, they it's, it's protected over yeah. the officer that wrote a book about his encounter with it. You, yeah, you do not shoot one, wow. you don't do any of that stuff. And it's you know, here, you know, uh, what was it, uh, Bigfoot actually came to Vermont and yeah. they were, you know, had did town hall trying to get people and yeah, people talked about it, but there wasn't a ton, you know. I mean, it's just kind of
6: there are other weird little things, though. There are other weird
4: cultural clues, I think.
5: Yeah. For example,
6: Michael Hurley is a pretty famous player And during the 60s, he went up to northern Vermont and just to kind of clear his head and, and make some music. And for whatever reason, he decided to record a, a song called The Werewolf while he was up there. Mm. Now, this is all stuff I found out after the fact. you got to remember, like, the sequence of this is really important because, you know, I, I mean a really good conspiracy, you know, that somebody did all of this research into all things werewolves and then through an elaborate plan, convinced Playboy to publish an article about it. So it would lead to this. this <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, but there's no way that I could go back into the
4: 1960s and convince. <laughs> no. My,
6: like, this, you know, So
4: unless you have a
2: time machine
6: yeah which i mean i'm you
2: know if you do then we're having the wrong conversation i think because i mean <laughs> we need to we need to figure that out or like, we should we should have had this conversation
4: before and we should be you know revising it
2: or <laughs> i can go forward and see what i screwed up in editing <laughs> 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 yeah exactly would
6: be great you know you just go back in time and fix it you don't yeah. have to worry about posting. yeah yeah right i don't know man uh, I mean, just, there's so many weird little cultural cues that, to me, make it where I'm not saying that there is awareness necessarily. I'm, just, what I'm just saying is that why,
2: again and again and again,
6: for almost 300 years.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it almost makes you wonder if there's, there's got to be something to it if it's been going on for that long. Right. You know. Exactly.
6: You know. And what I, you know, my suspicion is that there... I mean, we can get into real weird conspiracy stuff here, you know, but I mean, weird shit happens in rural places. Oh, yeah, people for move, sure. Move, people, people move to rural places because they want to do weird, weird shit and they don't want anybody to stop them. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I, and, and I am absolutely not saying that this is the case, but I'm just saying hypothetically, one person could say maybe, okay, well, let, let me just pause there and say, we know for a fact that there are people that do... Ritual sacrifice, eating human flesh, this kind of stuff. There are secrets that yeah. have done that historically.
5: Mm-hmm. Yes,
2: absolutely. British royal family.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm no fan, so I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of that, but, but King, I mean, King what's-his-name, man. Things, right? So,
6: who's to say that some people didn't come here in the colonial period in order to do some kind of black magic stuff and then the locals get wind of that and they call them werewolves but there's nothing to say maybe i mean you've got uh and and this isn't a definitive number but there's over 20 something
2: people that have disappeared up there over the last five
0: decades
2: that kind of leads me into my last question um have you like with all the disappearances and stuff um being like up in the up in vermont as much as you have been have you ever heard anything about the bennington triangle
6: i've heard of it yeah
2: okay it
6: actually was joe citro that that told me about it that is a thing I,
2: I haven't really delved into it but i do know that it's a phenomenon yeah, yeah cause there, there's been people that have been that have gone missing there since uh you know the late 1800s um and some of some other really weird stuff has happened there. Like um, there's supposedly a carnivorous rock that eats people. Like you can fall into it, it'll you know whatever. Um, right. And one of the one of the big ones was back in the this is like 1870s, 1880s. There was um, a stagecoach that was Australia, and uh, one of the axles broke. So the driver got out to check on it, and as he's doing that, some giant hairy monster came and actually tipped the wagon over. For, you know. Like, almost on top of him. Um, wow. And a lot of these sightings of creatures like that just being, like, Bigfoot-like or Dogman-like, which kind of makes you wonder, you know, is it the whole state where stuff like this is going on, or did it, something traveled south, you know? Well, you know, that's, that's another really
6: interesting thing. You know, in 1951, in the May edition of National Geographic, there was a report about a werewolf in, at, uh, in Groton Pond. Oh,
2: yeah. Groton's a, Groton's a weird area too I um, I used to work for a pest control company and I did a lot of stuff on the north of the state um you get into like Grotton Danville um Elmore where there's you know maybe a hundred people and there's a lot of real weird stuff that happens up that way I think it's all
4: it's almost like um Vermont being so it's it, it's filled mostly with uh woods. That's what, you know, that's what we know. I mean, you know, Vermont, it's its 90% woods, 95% woods. Yeah. So, I mean, to have something like this, you know, like Squatch, Dogman, I mean, or, or whatever, that, is not, I wouldn't say out of the pond no, for us to yeah. not to see it, see them, is, you know, it's, it's one of those ones where, yeah, because people live in certain areas. We don't, a lot of people yep. don't live out deep in the woods. And if you
2: you look at the size like geographical size of the city, and you realize there's just over a half a million people in it. You know, there's definitely not enough people to be everywhere.
6: Right. Yeah, I mean and 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 even 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 if, let's just even table the idea, right? And let's just say that there are that there is because a, a lot in my studies of certain esoteric societies, right? Uh like you know, occult traditions. Mm. These things are they—they uh, they are passed down through families. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hell, there was in the '80s there was even an episode that you can find on YouTube about a woman who talks about how their family literally bred babies
1: to eat
6: ritual sacrifices. Now, this is Oprah. We're talking, about, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. But, I, but, I, but, 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 but even if that woman was not telling the truth in her interview on the Oprah Winfrey show th- th- there, I mean, this, this goes back I, all the way back. I mean, that was this kind of same thing that they were accused like, of Templar of. There are all these occult societies that even their own primary
5: source documents talk about
6: that. These, these, why they do these things. So what is far more plausible? And I'm just saying plausible. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. Okay. But I'm just saying, if there are disappearances and there is foul play involved, what made more sense to me is that this is happening at a time when this, when a occultism is very, very popular all over Western Europe,
5: especially in New England. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this is like, this is leading up to the,
6: I mean, this is, you have Helena Blavatsky and all the occultists that are wildly popular in the 1880s, but they're building on traditions that come from a, before even the early even early 1700s yeah so so what my what my what a theory could be or hypothesis is you have family that have moved here to do black magic, and they continue to do that and they and these disappears that's why you know because they don't even even find bones of these people yeah it's like they just vanished Right, and so that makes me really think that something will play. Either I mean, I, you know, there are a lot of things. You know, they, they, you know, like you said before, you know, this place is ninety-five percent woods. There's, there's a chance that you know they could have been dragged into the woods, and eaten, and by animals, and you know, the parts are everywhere, or whatever. Yeah. But, 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 I mean, but here's where it starts also getting strange. While I was living there in Franklin County, I mean, there were at least if I remember correctly, at least two instances of women walking down the street in Richford? I'm going to say, where walking down
5: the street, somebody drove by in a van and tried to literally kidnap them
2: off the street. Yeah, on the Canadian border, too. I mean, that could even be, you know, that that gets into, like, human trafficking, like you were talking about before. And I mean, that's... And it's not hard to cross the border up there, either. You can You can find places to sneak through without, you know, speaking to a Border Patrol agent.
6: Well, and it's not even terribly hard, even if you do talk to the border. That's true.
2: Agents, to be honest, I mean,
6: so, I, mean, I I don't want to make light of any of these real tragedies, you know, and by saying, oh, yeah, it's the werewolf that got them, you know what I mean? Because these are real people
5: who know that's a terrible thing. I, th- I think, for me, there are two different
6: components to this whole story that are of particular interest. One, why? Why are people disappearing and nobody's really aggressively finding out why that's one question the other question that I have is more of a kind of a anthropological question it's not a journalistic say is why is there this persistent motif of a of a shapeshifter specifically a werewolf going all the way back at least to the percentage that is being blamed for some of those
4: things yeah is it, is it just uh, one of those stories that people like to tell, you know, kind of like the, uh, the grim tales, you know, to, yeah. to, to cautionary, kind of cautionary tales, you know, the hunt and okay. you know, kind of the Hans Christian Anderson, the grim, grim brother, you know, they, they, they drew from all this stuff. Did people bring it over from the old country to here to say, okay, Hey, go out in the woods and it's going to happen, you know, right, so don't do it or don't go, wandering around, or, you know, like the whole Halloween aspect. Why you wear a mask? Right. You know, during Halloween.
6: Exactly. All of these things have a a cultural and historical explanation. So I think that that's really fascinating, just from like a kind of an academic uh, perspective. But I think what gives this particular story a little bit more of a... It, it makes it a little darker than even the other paranormal stories. It's like you know, I don't know how many people have been disappearing in Wisconsin, where the you know the Beast of Bray Road is. Yeah, they, they see the monster. That, that's one thing. But but when there are actual disappearances, then you then it's then there's another. Uh, I don't know. Then to me, there's another impetus to dig deeper. Yeah.
2: You know? You, so, something that I just from talking to you, I'm like I, you know, obviously I don't know you, but um, yeah. a, a book series I think you'd be interested in would be uh, the missing uh, Missing 411 uh, that David Politis wrote. Um, okay. It's mostly a series of um, people that have gone missing in uh, like national parks. Um, I also, did one of people that have just gone missing out of out of cities, like you know they've you know um, there's one in Atlanta. And they have security footage, footage of him walking into a bar, you know, having you know having a couple of beers with his friends, this that, the other, and then he just vanished. Like there's no security footage of him leaving anywhere, and it's gone.
6: Interesting, yeah, very interesting. I'll i definitely check that out. You and, uh, and I think that we, you know we just have to entertain the options. Let's just go through all the options. They think you know, if it disappears. Sure, they could have they could have just run away. They could have been kidnapped they could have wandered into the woods and got mauled by an animal and never found, yep. uh, you know, there are a lot of different things that can happen to people, you know, but if I was in, if I was a policymaker, if I was in law enforcement and in, you know, in my lifetime, more than a dozen people had disappeared, I would pretty much drop everything I was doing to get to the bottom. of
2: Right. Block. And start trying to find. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, I have to. I also have to use, you know, the principle
4: of Occam's razor. What's the simplest yeah, answer? You yeah, lo- yeah, the most logical. The simplest answer is that they're lazy bureaucrats. They get paid whether they find people or not. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> they're, or they're a part of it yeah. and don't want people to knowing. Um. So it's kind of you know it's it's a double edged sword where you know hey for these people okay do we get into and. You know, find out more. You know, uncover why this human trafficking, why these people come up missing. You know, all of this stuff. Or, but you know, we do that. But then we have to deal with the consequences of maybe you know, some someone we know, you know, is involved in it. Or exactly, yeah, whatever. So I think
6: that there's a lot of reasons why people wouldn't want to explore it further. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, also you you know, like you guys mentioned before. long trail goes through franklin county a lot of people like to hike that they probably wouldn't want to hike it so much if there's if there's a even remote possibility that you might just get snatched off the off the side of the road
2: yeah exactly
6: but you know and then you could go you you can just keep making layers of complexity all the way up to you know there's a cabal of cultists that eat people and they had to bring the werewolves over from ireland just to get between them
2: and the community Somebody needs to write that book, because that sounds fucking awesome, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I'd read that. <laughs> yeah, man. I, yeah, I mean,
6: if I, if I had the time, I would love to, Damn. I would love to indulge that. too, man. But I will, I am going to explore that theme in this next, uh, I, I, did, I decided, because of, I just keep getting more and more interest in this, you know, I mean, just to man, like, I just, when I made that little short film that you guys are talking about. Mm-hmm. I just had all of that footage from being up there and, you know, you know, when I would do interviews for the, like I said, when I would do interviews with Playboy and all that, I would just film the interviews because it's almost as easy as setting up my audio recorder. I just show throw up a DSLR camera and, and then I've got the footage to go with the interview. So it would, I never really set out to even make that video. It was, I had moved from Franklin County, and I was just sifting through files and things. I was like, you know what, I, it was
5: right before, it was like around Thanksgiving, or I don't remember,
6: but it was, it was downtime and I just thought, I wonder if just for fun, I could stitch the, all this work together, so that, it, you know, and tell the story of making that, you know, of, of writing the article and the people I met and all that. So, there was really no preconceived plan of making the documentary but now that I've had so much interest in, in their sections, I, I feel like I am kind of I think I'm kind of duty bound to a- answer some of those questions and now that I've got somebody that's with that says to me I i, I know if I have first hand information about it I gotta explore that
2: yeah definitely
6: and, and I'm gonna explore that whole concept of that No, you know the werewolf is, our, is the ally of these innocent people and it the monster. I think that that's a really compelling version, and which might also be the reason why
2: people don't want to talk about it, for example. You know? Yeah, because they, they, I mean, if, it, if it's like a protective thing, they don't want somebody going out there and getting rid of it, you know, and having mm-hmm. whatever the bad stuff is coming, you know. Run unhindered, basically.
6: Hey, I mean, honestly, man, if I was a Native American, you better believe I would make up all the monster myths in the world. Oh hell yeah! These colonizers what I Oh yeah, yeah, yeah
4: definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, D-
6: did you guys have some other? I think that you had said that you had one other thing, or maybe I, maybe you like.
2: Oh yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you about the Bennington Triangle part of it. um oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I, I think we pretty much. Uh, I mean, I had a bunch of other questions written down, but uh, as we just kind of sat here and talked, it kind of hey, we. we.
4: <laughs> yeah,
5: we've
4: we kind of you, know, you threw out the whole thing. Uh, we we both had questions, and you answered everything that I kind of wanted to know and figured that hey, maybe our listeners would want just to some know. questions we didn't even know we had. That's true. Very true. Uh, I mean, and I would personally. I mean, yeah. I, I wanna say, I, I thank you for coming yeah, on in, in this interview with us, but also. I, I'm I would very very interested to follow up and you know hear more you know know more of that you, you, know, you glean from this whole thing and know you know what you find out because you know, that's so interesting to me
2: because I love
4: I mean I graduated with a great degree from college in history and I I absolutely love history and I love to know more and more about things and finding out you know things that i don't know anything about in the state of vermont is awesome for me so uh, well i'll tell you what i'll,
6: I'll send you uh an excerpt from the book that, I've, that i'm talking about because you'll find it really interesting and okay. i think that if i you know at some point i would like to try to team up with a historian to go through uh you know there's talk about uh like for example in the book there's talk about a a, a, a not a priest. They, uh, well, yeah. There, there's talk about a Canadian priest that was aware of this stuff. Hmm. There's talk about uh, a groundskeeper in Saint Albans that worked at the parish church there that had some kind of uh, encounter. And you know, these are you know, so these are these might be people that we could actually you know historical people that one could track down. I think that that would be worthwhile doing. Oh, definitely another thing that I think and just one last thing one last thing I recently found out that also that there was an incident that happened where uh, and I'm going to forget the guy's name but you should google this wolf that was killed up there in 1866 that matches the description of like what some of these people have talked
4: about running like mark. it sounds almost like uh, a dire wolf because I think exactly. I, I've heard of something I'm going to almost say I've heard of that well, what you're referring to? It was,
6: it was, it was, I was, it was a state senator who was also a hunter, hunting enthusiast. There is actually, I found a, uh, um, uh, there's a, a monument to where it happened.
2: Yep. I've seen in it in the woods. Yeah. I've, seen the, I've, I've seen the monument. The, I've been by okay. oh, it a thousand times. Can't remember the. the... Damn. Yeah, so so, so there, there's a lot of stuff that
6: people could dig into, and you know, like I said, if if I had if I was independently wealthy, I would just stay on this job until I answered all the questions. <laughs> that my curiosity brings up. I'm, yes, you know, I, I have to pay my family, and I got to do other things. But uh, but I'm throwing this out there to your listeners too, man. If anybody wants to pull on these threads, you know, by, and please, you know, I I'm just as much interested in debunking these things as anybody else. Because I want to know what, what the real story is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean,
2: uh, I'd be more than willing to, you know, offer helping him with any uh, any kind of like investigation, research, stuff like that. I mean, this is right in our right in our wheelhouse for, you know, yeah. for the, being in the state uh, of, of Vermont, you know. Yeah, I mean? I mean, it's we're a two hour drive from there. We can go up on a weekend or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to clear it with my wife, but <laughs> yeah, man, that'd be
6: great. I know I'm I'm
2: actually
6: leaving Vermont uh, in. I'm going to be gone. Now. I my I leave in two weeks, and uh, I mean, I'm from Vermont, Uh, so I'm actually moving to finish a a, a long documentary project. It's probably going to take a couple of years in Scandinavia. Yeah, lucky. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) so I'll I'll, I'll be bouncing around between Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Iceland, you know, Shetlands. But my my base is going to be in uh, probably in Norway. So I won't be here to do that work with you guys, but I would definitely be happy to hand all of my clues and questions.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll. Uh, I I would love to look into some of this stuff a bit more. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, have fun. We'd, we'd have you back on at some point. You know, whenever uh, you know, when you have your other project done, or if you have anything, you know, anything cool happen while you're over there, just you know, shoot us an email. I'd love to get back on.
6: Absolutely. Well, I'm definitely really interested in the uh, the the, you know, the werewolf legends in Iceland because actually, their their you know the foundational myth is rooted in a in a Viking named Keldul, which means night wolf, and he was so angry by the of uh, power that the Norwegian king was inflicting on the people there that he somehow his anger transformed him into a wolf nice and he, and so he had to leave and he moved to Iceland so there's a lot of fun stuff over there that I'm gonna dig more deeply into and I'd happy to I'd be happy to do a follow-up if
2: you got might you going to Iceland, is gonna stuff with werewolves and you're gonna end up having to look into the uh, the Hilda folk too the uh, the elves the hidden people yeah because yeah. that's there's some crazy stuff there too like the highways around these mounds because they don't want to disturb them. You
6: know, they are really fascinating. You know, I mean, I, you know, here we go again. But, uh, <laughs> I was over there. So how this kind of even got into my, you know, some of this stuff got into my wheelhouse. I was doing a little biopic piece, famous composer there. Uh, and while I was interviewing the head of the record label, he told me, he said, well, I have to tell you, the I, I don't want to give anything away, so uh, but I'm not going to use the guy's name. He said, uh, you know, yes, he's an he's a incredible composer but he's also a very, very powerful sorcerer. And you're like, wait, wait, wait you just, what are what you just talking about? The, we're just talking about the music business, and now you're telling me that that the, the guy who, who does this music is a, is a sorcerer? <laughs> a very, very powerful sorcerer. And then I, I, I was like, are you, what are you guys talking about? As I started exploring that, I there there are things that happen in Iceland. Man, Iceland is a mysterious magical strange place man oh Very cool
4: yeah you, you they'll get into some there're there's so like you can get into the 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 trolls yeah you can get
2: into the, 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 well, the I like think the trolls would be a little more like Norway Sweden kind of oh, like over off, yeah 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 they,
6: yeah all,
2: all they brought all of that with
6: them you know because most of the Icelanders come from Norway and Scotland so they brought a lot of that and I and while I was there man you can totally I mean it starts to make sense because it's so foggy and misty and then you look into these fields that are just these weird formations of lava rock. And as the mist moves, see these giant stone things, and they start to look like they're <laughs> oh, like, yeah. it's super cool, man. It's such a beautiful so, yeah, thing. I'll, I'll shoot you guys. In. Oh, definitely. So,
2: yeah. Explore it a little bit more. Absolutely.
4: Well, JD, we won't keep you much yeah. longer. We we'll won't keep you any longer. Uh, we, do, I, f- you know, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking about uh, this whole film and talking about your experience and everything
2: uh You know, I, I can't wait to hear more from you. And I, I will apologize in advance for uh <laughs> having all the all the technical issues that we had. You know, where I had to keep coming back to hell we left off. But I mean, it wouldn't be our show if we didn't screw something up. The truth got out,
6: and then got it out.
2: That's right. So, yeah, I enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. Oh, th- right. thank you so much. We uh we look forward to having you on again. Sounds good. I'm all right. looking forward to it. Talk
5: to you soon. Thanks, man. Right.
2: Safe travels. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. Since I lost the original audio for our outro, I wanted to record this super quick. Um, again, just wanted to say thank you to JD Thompson. Um, if you haven't had a chance to yet, go over to go over to YouTube and check out the documentary that he put up, uh, "Hunting the Hound of Cold Hollow." It's uh, it's an awesome little documentary. It takes place right in our home state, uh, a couple hours north of where uh, where we are when we record. Um, but again yeah thanks and we look forward to having him back on um what his uh his field trip in scandinavia is done in the meantime you can look forward to another episode very shortly since this one's coming out later than it's supposed to <laughs> um go check us out at darkwindowspod.com we have links to everything there. We've got links to our Patreon, Threadless, uh, our Age of Radio page where you can listen to all of our episodes, and we've got a link there for uh, Studio, where you can head straight over and find some headphones, toss them in your basket, put in the checkout code DARKWINDOWS15 and get uh, oh yeah, put in a discount code for 15 and then get 10% off, no. (laughs) Put in DARKWINDOWS15 and get 15% off your entire order. At studio.com. Yeah, it's uh, it's 1230 when I'm recording this, so I'm half asleep. But the episode will be up just as quick as possible. Thanks, and we will see you again on Wednesday. And the music that you've heard as I've been sitting here jabbering at you is actually a theme that JD composed for The Hound of Cold Hollow. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in here because he did send me the file, and I wanted to make sure it's in here because it's actually a really really cool tune very very uh atmospheric and i love it Uh, (laughs) so enjoy and have a good night thanks